I think you heard that. That was just an ad starting in my background. Hi! Episode 84 <laughs> of uh, This is the uh, afternoon of Raw 30, Monday, January 23rd, 2023. It's almost 4 o'clock p.m. I'm Brian. That's JJ. Mr. Alexander, a fine <laughs> afternoon to you. Uh, uh, we've got, since late last night, I think we've gotten like 8 to 10 inches of snow. How are you doing? We got sleep. Good for you. <laughs> happy for you it was like it was heavy ass rain last night and then it turned into sleep today i mean i'm just happy that it didn't freeze because mm. there was a lot of rain yesterday lovely um a lot to get into today and i mean a lot um first things first though um i hate to start the show on a downer um but I think it's only appropriate that we begin by covering this gentleman. Um, this shit, I, I really wish this shit would stop, but I mean, it's out of your control. Um, so, uh, uh, LS has been living under a rock for the last, what, six days now? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Jay Briscoe. Um, one half of the Briscoe brothers from Ring of Honor uh, passed away Tuesday evening, I believe, afternoon, evening, something like that. Afternoon, he was re- he was bringing his girls home from che- cheerleading practice. Yep. Um, had just left Mark's place. Apparently, was bringing them to cheerleading practice. Um, this was act, and the next day was gonna be Mark's birthday. Yep. Um, so the way the story goes. Uh, Jay was bringing the doors to showing practice. The girls were in the back seat with their seatbelts on. Jay, if I remember correctly, did not have his seatbelt no. on. No. Um, woman, it was just a two-lane road. Woman was coming the other way, swerved into uh, their side of the road, um, into Jay's side of the road, head-on collision. Um, the woman who drove in the other car passed away along with Jay. Mm-hmm. Two girls continuously being monitored. I believe still in the in the hospital, if I remember correctly. One of them having back surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they're both going to be going through a lot of physical therapy over the next six months to a year. Right. Um, and um, I'll tell you, I. It's not often you hear me say this on this program, but the, the, the first person I thought that would give the best uh, insight into Jay um, as far as um, what Jay meant to his community around Sandy Fork, Delaware, and what he meant to the Ring of Honor community uh, was Jim Cornette. And that was the mm-hmm. first person I looked for reaction from. Yep. Um, and if you go look up his stuff, he was broken up like crazy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just yeah, 
very sad, very sad for this to happen. Um, obviously, he had his whole life ahead of him still, not just wrestling-wise. Like, literally, he still had – I mean, his daughters, what, I don't even – are they even in their teenage years yet? I don't no, they're both, yeah. like – I think they're, like, 11 and 9. Right. Um, they still had their whole lives ahead of them along with Jay, and it was just – yeah. It's just a shame now you're going to have two girls who, um, you know, have all this stuff, you know, God willing, they're able to go do cheerleading again. All this, all the stuff they'll do in cheerleading that their father won't be able to see. Um, they won't have a father there when they graduate from their various schools, when they walk down the aisle to get married, when they have their first child. Um, yeah. It's just tremendously sad. And JJ, if you want to, go ahead and jump in with whatever insight you want to provide. No, I mean, I had very brief passings with, with the Briscoe brothers over the years. Um, but, um, that, I mean, I, I, I said it, I said it on my social media, but I was just like, regardless of whatever politics the guy had in the past, he was a genuine individual. Um, no, no one deserves to, you know, have to pass away early. No, no family deserves this kind of loss. Um, and I mean, it's, you know, it's just one of those things that we all kind of got to get through. And, uh, you know, my heart goes out to the entire Pew family. Um, it's just, um, I feel like a, a lot of people, and I could be wrong about this because I literally only listened to what Cornette had to say and didn't give a shit about anybody else. Yeah. Um, it's like a lot of people are going to focus on the wrestling perspective about this. And we'll, we'll get to a very specific portion of that in a second. Yeah. Um, cause it has to do with what we'll cover later in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the real story, the real loss, as much as obviously Jay was a tremendous professional wrestler. The real story, the real loss is that community and that family. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just listen to the way and again, I, I, I can't recommend enough going to, it's like an hour long. Yeah. Go, go listen to what Jim had to say. And he really eloquently laid out just how much, not just Jay, but his family. Yeah is an indelible part of that community in, De- in rural Delaware. Right. Um, and just, oh, God. Like, like, when's the last time you heard of a pro wrestler's death basically shutting down an entire town? They shut down schools. They shut down government buildings for mm-hmm. that day. Like, I... I David Von Eric's the last time I could think. Right. Like... It's been a long time when you've since mm-hmm. you've heard of a community being so enraptured with a, a wrestling family. That's mm-hmm. why it wasn't even a wrestling family until Jay and Mark, because because right. like, yeah, their father liked wrestling and like he kind of taught them the the, the wrestling one on one when they were growing up as kids. But mm-hmm. he wasn't actually a wrestler. He wasn't actually a trainer. He just right. He was a fan. It was just Jay and Mark were first generation. Yeah, but. They became such an outward representation of that community, not just with what they did in the ring, but really a lot of what they did on camera with like their promos they cut on at home. Mm-hmm. And just 
Oh, they they were everything to that community around Sandy Hook and just Sandy Fork. Oh, Sandy Fork, sorry, not Sandy Hook. Sandy Hooks. A completely yeah. different tragedy. Completely different tragedy. Just Sandy. Uh, just he meant they. That family means a lot to that community, and just uh, really sad. Really, really sad. Um. So what I, I I'm going to what I decided and J uh, JJ is going to take part. I don't know what you grabbed, but uh, my wife had to grab this the other day from liquor store she worked at, and I was like, "Fuck it, I, I'm saving this." Uh, I, I'm I'm fresh opening. Rumchata. Little rumchata. I mean fresh. I mean. I'm finishing off this Yukon Jack. Fresh. Yeah. Crack that open. Ugh. God damn. Come on, little shit. Why is this one? You gotta push one. down. It's a childproof cap. I'm gonna smack the shit out you. No, it's like stuck. It's like weird. One tab is stuck. There we go. Fuck you, you're childproof. Well. Here's to Jay. Here's mm-hmm. the whole Briscoe family. Get well soon to the girls. Mm-hmm. Cheers, everyone. Whoo! Ha! That's, that's good. Wow. Whoo! <laughs> oh man. Um. That being said. I want to echo one more sentiment from Mr. Cornette. Yes. So, for a while, obviously, ever since they were they, uh, Mr. Khan obtained Ring of Honor mm-hmm. and had the contracts of Mr. Briscoe uh, and his brother Mark. Warner Brothers Discovery was very anti the idea of, very much against the idea of having Mr. Jay Briscoe on their television. And originally, there was some kind of rumor going around that maybe it wasn't really Warner Brothers Discovery, maybe it was really the Bucks, maybe it was really this, that, the other thing, one of the other EVPs, whatever. But then we see... The way everybody, including the Bucks, were, well, pretty much everybody, were honoring the memory of Jay with head bit with wristbands, headbands, armbands, whatever. And then you hear after the fact that not only did apparently Warner Bros. Discovery not want that episode of Dummy to be a memorial show to Jay, but the Ring of Honor-based memorial show they ended up taping after Dynamite was not to be allowed on any kind of TV. I don't know if it was one executive, I don't know if it was multiple executives, but fuck you! And you see, here's where I have to chime in. I wholeheartedly don't believe that it was an executive from Warner Brothers. I think that was Tony Khan trying to save his ass to create controversy and to drive more traffic to the YouTube channel and to honor club. 
because they say, oh, they wouldn't allow us to do anything for Jay, but they were able to show a graphic of his face at the beginning and they were able to mention him on commentary. Now, just those two elements alone prove that some mention of him was allowed on Dynamite. This goes this goes back to um, right before their last match with FTR, how there was the whole uh, the, the, the Christmas signing uh, blood thing. The Yeah, signing blood and it just said them boys and they didn't say Briscoe's on air. Right. And then people were telling me, no, they did say the Briscoe's right after. And I'm like, I don't recall it. But this is my educated guess because the whole thing is word of the executives not allowing it is all coming from Meltzer. So you need to remember that first and foremost. That's the patient zero of this story. They were able to show a graphic of him. They were able to mention him by name. WWE, who has, have ne who has never employed them, but did not employ them because of the issue that happened back in 2011, took time out of their broadcasting to mention them on NXT and on SmackDown. WWE is a publicly traded company. That was a big risk by WWE. But they did it without haste. This is what leads me to believe that Tony Khan is just saying this. He didn't even check with Warner Brothers Discovery about doing a tribute for it. And in all honesty, like, it's... It feels super shady because, okay, so they didn't mention him on the thing, but they recorded a, a tribute show afterwards. That tribute show originally they said was only going to be on Honor Club. Then all of a sudden they said, oh, it's going to be on YouTube as well. But then they said the first four to six episodes of the new Ring of Honor TV show are all going to hold Jay Briscoe retrospectives on every episode. And the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view is going to be a tribute show to Jay Briscoe as well. That right there is dollar signs. And that's what pisses me off. I, because it's, if this were true, someone from Warner Brothers PR would have come out and said, we understand the tragedy at hand, but we could not risk this because this is, this is Warner Brothers. These are the people that are pushing to keep Ezra Miller employed after all the shit that's happened with him in the past fucking year. This is the company that two weeks after the video of Dana White smacking his wife up, got fucking went viral. They still, fucking aired his TV show of people slapping the shit out of each other. There is far too much dirt on the Warner Brothers Discovery side to not be like, wait a second, they allow all this, but they won't let them mention this on this little show. Like, not, it's, it, it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. The unfortunate thing is, I... I can't even sit here and say that it's a wild and crazy theory you're presenting. Right. Because I'll say two words and it'll summarize everything. Mm -hmm. Grody Lee. Exactly. And this, this is how sad I, this is how sad I am about it is Tony Khan milked Brody Lee's death on dynamite for three years. I feel like he's going to milk Jay Briscoe's death on the ring of honor, fucking honor club show for the next God knows how long. And the, the, the dynamite itself and like, and Cornette brought this up like, oh, they, they, they won't allow this. And the other thing they had Mike Tyson on there, who was a convicted and like literally found guilty and convicted rapist 
They let Mike Tyson on the damn show multiple times. Obviously, Nick Gage, they let him on. The shit that's happened with Sammy Guevara, with Darby, they're still prominently featured. It just doesn't add up. Yeah, it's a little odd. Um, yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens going forward. But, I mean, obviously, this is uh, something they write. It'll come out eventually. And um, and I will point- say I will say this as far as Mark Briscoe goes, I have two schools of thought on Mark, and it's, it all depends on what happened, what, what his mindset is. If he decides to walk away from the business for the rest of his life, I completely respect that. And I understand that <laughs> because I could imagine how hard it would be to keep going. Like I almost quit the business after Milano died because I just didn't think I could stay in the business without him. Um, and so I understand that if he wants to walk away. However, if he does decide to keep going, um, number one, I would have him ask Tony Khan to get out of his fucking contract. Um, and I would seek greener pastures and wherever he lands, he should get pushed to the fucking moon. Like it's, it's, it's like the Von Erics, you know, Mark, you know, it wasn't like Jay was more talented than Mark. They were equally talented. Just Jay ended up getting the longer singles runs in ring of honor at times because Mark was getting like knee surgery. So if Mark chooses to come back to the business, he deserves everything, everything. And obviously, we'll uh, find out more about that in the coming weeks, I would assume. Especially considering that Ring of Honor has a pay-per-view coming up within the next two months. And yeah. Jay, excuse me, Mark is technically still, technically, yeah. one of the tag team champions. So, mm-hmm. wait and see on all that. All right, that all being said, let's get into the actual in-ring product. Uh, New Japan... Uh, they had night two of the uh, Wrestle Kingdom over the weekend out in Yokohama. And the results from that, um, I mean... They did a 10-bell for J2. They, yes, they did. They did a 10-bell for J. Um weren't a whole lot of like real meaningful matches on this one. Um, yeah, because it was it was basically it was the whole the whole show was just New Japan versus uh, was it all was it all Japan or no? Who was it? I'm trying to remember. Not was it Noah? Maybe. Yeah. I was it Noah. Yeah, no. Okay. Um, the big thing was the five singles matches between. Lij and Congo. In the end, uh, Los and Gobernables de Japón won that series mm-hmm. one to one uh, by three to two. Naito winning the main event in twenty six fifty seven. Mm-hmm. After the main event, real news. Ha ha. Uh, Keiji Muto. AKA the Great Muda came out and challenged Tetsuya Naito as his final match 
in New Japan on February the 21st. <laughs> um, um, so move the goalpost. Move the goalpost. Yeah, because this weekend was supposed to be Muda's last match. Remember, it was supposed to be the tag match with Sting. Right. And they still had that. They still had that six-man tag, but it was his last match as Great Muda. Mm-hmm. Uh, as was eventually clarified. So it was uh, Darby, Sting, and Muda against... Uh, I don't remember at the top of my head who the, the other team was. Mm. Well, obviously, uh, I remember Muda got the pin. That's all I yeah. remember. Um. Which leads me to my sneaking suspicion. Uh, right. Yeah, I know what your sneaking suspicion is. I know what your sneaking suspicion is. Um. Meanwhile, did you watch that clip I sent you? From, I'm pretty sure it was the same show actually as Muda's last match, where Okada was in a tag match and he had. Like a like a, a headlock on somebody on the mat, and then the fucking other member of the team, not of Okada's team, the other member of the opposing team came in and was kind of like giving the business a little bit, and then basically said "fuck this" and came up, came around. I just gave Okada um, a kick in the fucking face. Yeah, and then Okada was like "fuck this." Yeah, and got rid of the headlock and just started beating the shit out of the dude on the outside. Yep. Either that was very well played, like that was a very well played, laid out part of the match, or that was a receipt, an immediate receipt. <laughs> I'm kind of leaning towards the immediate receipt because I'm kind of not look like a happy fucking camper. Um, yeah, if you if you have, I'm trying to remember what it was. I, I know I sent it to you. Hang on, let me try to find the. Let me try to find the uh, the clip here. Hang on, I'll pull it up from what I sent you. Hang on here. There's the... Yeah, Kaido Kiyomaya. Because hmm. that's fucking smart. This dude. <laughs> Alright, hang on. Hang on, let me try to... Okay. Alright, so I'm going to try to share my screen real quick, because... Because... Fuck it. Why won't it let me share my screen? Mm. Hmm. That's weird. All right. So, I'm not uh-huh. sure how well this looks on the... Oh, you can, you can see it pretty well, actually. All right, so I'm going to play this video. So, this is what I was talking about. So, the guy comes up from behind. There's one kick. Two kicks. Three kicks. So, Kai's like, all right. Yeah, that that's definitely a receipt. <laughs> I think he just said receipt on commentary. Yeah. 
That was that's pretty much the gist of it. And yeah, by the way, uh, that was apparently during Wrestle Kingdom Night Two. I'm trying to remember what the what match this. Was. I mean, obviously it was a tag match. I was trying yeah. to pull up Okada, 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 Okada. Where are you? Uh oh yeah, right here. It ended up being a no contest. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Okada and Makabe against Inamura and yeah. So that's uh yeah. Don't fuck with Okada. <laughs> oh man, like what, what, what? Where in your right mind do you think you know what? I'm gonna kick with the fucking face. Like, I, uh, he's only the world heavyweight champion in New Japan. No big deal. No big deal yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, what an idiot. Uh, um, I'm just gonna go punch Ric Flair on the fucking jaw. <laughs> right, right. Um, one other thing. Um. And I hate to report this for you. Um, so, Rocky Romero apparently funded a CMLL event over the weekend. Okay. I didn't know that the NWA had the historic welterweight championship in existence anymore. They don't. Well. They pulled it out of a drawer. Apparently. And they put it on Rocky. The, 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 the Western States Heritage title. Yeah. He beat Volador Jr. And they decided to throw that on him. Oi, Billy Corgan. I, 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 He's pulling them old belts out that desk drawer. Here's the bare knuckles title. Does does Haven really count at this point? Like, does it actually count as an NWA? I don't. Why would you do that when they already have a light heavyweight title? I I don't know. I I, I, like light heavyweight and welterweight are pretty much the same weight class. (sighs) Let me list of NWA world. I don't know. This is gonna be nice for me. Right, so that's the world title. It's not what I really wanted. Wanted NWA champion. Whoops. National Wrestling Alliance Championships. Yes, there we go. Um doesn't look like it's gonna be recognized as an official. So maybe this was a CMLL thing where they're just like, fuck this. We're pulling this out of the hat. Uh, World Welterweight? Is that what this... No. That's not what it looks like, but that's basically what they gave him. This can't be right. No. What did I, what, what did I say the name of this, that title was? According to this, the date it was established was August 2010. It's the World Historic Welterweight Championship. Oh, here we go. Historic Welterweight Championship. Here we go. Um, so it's a CMLL title, technically, that they've held on to since they had left the NWA in 1989. Yeah. And then in 2010... Like, literally, it went, like, it started in 2010. It looked like it was contested for a while. And then in 2014, Volador Jr. won it from La Sombra when Andrade got signed to WWE and then held it for four years without defending it and then lost it to Matt Taven in 2018, who then dropped it back to Volador, who held onto it for another five years until now. So in 2010, the NWA represented by Blue Demon Jr., apparently. I love Blue Demon Jr. Uh... The president of NWA Mexico, 
He sent letters to CMLL telling them to stop promoting the NWA branded championships since CMLL was not part of the NWA any longer. And in August of 2010, CMLL debuted this new world historical welterweight championship and named Mephisto mm-hmm. the final CMLL recognized NWA world welterweight champion as the inaugural champion. The championship was initially announced as the CMLL Historic Welterweight Championship, but when the belt was unveiled, it was labeled with uh, the NWA letter. <laughs> Just fuck me. What are we, and in its 13-year history, it's had nine years of vacancy. Or not vacancy, uh, but just not being featured. Yeah, because Mephisto. All right, so the four years, like I'm looking at, the, I'm looking at the the title history right now. There was a four year period when Volador Jr. won it and didn't fucking defend it until he dropped it to Matt Taven in 2018. Right. Then he won it right. Then he won it back three months later, right. and then didn't defend it again until this match against Rocky Romero this past weekend. That's nice. it's like their million dollar title, basically. That's not. Nice. It was made for this guy. <laughs> made for Rocky. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Anyways, Impact. I have a feeling this is not going to be pretty, this TV that we're about to go through, but we'll see. <laughs> um, before the Impact pre show, uh, Connor and Angels beat Deaner, uh, excuse me, beat Uamura and Delirious in a tag match. Um, after the match, Diener calls out Sammy Callahan to Miff Man said he makes the right choice to take out Delirious. So then Callahan comes out and spikes Delirious with the Cactus Driver 97. Sure. Um, then they kicked off Impact with Mickey James, uh, Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans. Oh, wait, hold on. Um, all right. Um, what the fuck? Boy Ray comes out first. Tells her to leave the ring. Mickey says, fuck you, basically. Um, then Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans come out. Um, they eventually beat up Mickey James. Then Frankie Kazarian and Jordan Grace come out and, cl- and help clear the ring. And then Santino's about to make a match when... Uh-huh. Ernest the Cat Miller. What so Cornette, was, Cornette wasn't that far off when he said, what, are they going to bring in Nipsey Russell? What the fuck, man? Like, why? Like, why? Why? Somebody going to need a paycheck! So basically, Santino and Ernest basically did a... A Teddy Long spot. We gonna have ourselves a six-person tag team match right now. Eventually, Mickey James, Jordan Grace, Frank Kazarian beat Tasha, Savannah, and Bully Ray. Uh, Mickey got the pin on Tasha. That's how the match ends. Yeah. After the match, Monster Slamovich comes out, who's an no more contender for the Knockouts title, and gives Mickey James her death warrant. That's nice. Then, Masha Slamovich does not deserve that fucking rub. Fuck. This is going to get... Oh, this gets better and better. Then we go to Santino and Ernest 
the cat backstage and Santino reveals his new match concept. <laughs> ready to hear the name of it? Or do you know it already? I, I, I read it, but I forgot what it was. The Golden Six Shooter. Yes, that's it. The Golden Shower. Yeah. Six. Basically, six former Impact World Champions collide to determine who will challenge Josh Alexander for the Impact World title. No surrender. The six former champions are Saban, Eddie, Rhino, Rich Swan, Moose, and Callahan. They were going to dig in deep in the bag for Rhino for that one. Um, I was going to say, Rhino was never Impact champion. I, I, he I was know. TNA I, champion. I, I know. I, I know. Same thing with Saban. Saban was TNA I, champion, I not Impact know. champion. Like they they spent too much fucking time with Moose and that fucking replica belt saying the TNA title is no longer recognized. Well, I mean, they could have had Tessa in there, but obviously that's a problem right now. <laughs> they could have Brian Cage in there. Christian Cage. Him too. Any hooser. Um Mac decides to confront Santino for putting Rich Swan in the match after Macklin defeated him at Hard to Kill. Then Santino asks Dirty Dango for advice. Yep. And Dango says he wants to face Macklin. That, whatever. We're, um, we're, we're hitting peak fucking TNA bringing in bottom of the barrel XWWE guys again. Like, uh, we're, we're, we're on that part of the ride again. And we had Deanna Perrazzo beating Ashley. I can't, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. I don't want to butcher it. Uh, DM boys, DM Dambois, maybe I don't know. Deanna beats her. That's the point. Okay. Um. Then Gene Miller attempts to interview PCO. Um. He scares her away because <laughs> what? Who would be scared? Um. Then Trey Miguel is giving Ashley unwarranted advice backstage on how to improve in the ring. Uh, and who the fuck is Mike Jackson? Some dude named Mike Jackson comes to her side and defends her. And now he's going to challenge Trey Trey Miguel for the X Division title next week. Sure. Gonna Uh, be starting something. He's gonna be starting something. (laughs) Taylor Kelly beats Taylor Wilde in singles action. Um... Then a Callahan backstage promo nobody cares about. Then Giselle Shaw tells Santino she deserves another knockouts tag team title opportunity against the Death Dolls. Problem is nobody wants to be her partner. I got nothing for that. <laughs> uh, Macklin beats Dango in singles action. Yay. Then a backstage interview with Cardona and Myers. Uh, then Gene Miller reveals their upcoming match against Ace Austin and Chris Bay, apparently. Moose interrupts uh, and brings up Joe Hendry for whatever fucking reason. Because remember, sure. they just had the match for the digital the pre-show title. Yeah, but I, just, I don't get why I would bring that up to Cardone and my... Uh, I mean, I guess they're both former digital media champions, so that makes sense, kind of. Uh, yeah. Then the part I really didn't want to talk about, but I have to because it's in the fucking results. <laughs> Tommy Dreamer has a sit-down interview. <laughs> With the most talentless coattail-riding hack in the entire 
radio industry. Now be the co-host of Busted Open, Dave LaGreca. Ah. I'm just going to leave it at that. I, yeah. We had the pit fight. Mike Bailey beats Kenny King. Remember, it was a pit fight, not a fight pit. Right, because they're basically in the ring with no ropes or yep. uh, ring posts. Yep. Well, there might have been ring posts. I don't remember. I don't think there had to be ring posts. That's how the shit got held up. Uh, maybe. And that was, that was how they went off the air. <laughs> floating. They went off the air with uh, Bailey into the match by placing a chair over Kenny King's head and super kicking him to win by knockout. So, so even you can't even do a straight like fight, fight choreographed right. You got to bring in furniture, right? The fuck, bro. Right. What? I mean, have you met Impact? Like, I, I don't remember a single fight pit match in fucking WWE where they brought weapons into it. Nope. You know why? Because <laughs> Riddle and Champa and Thatcher and. Who did Riddle face in the last one? Rollins? No. Orton. No, no. Yeah, Rollins. Yeah. Yeah. They're all above that. Come on. Yeah. You know that. You know that. I still think about that last fucking bump fucking Riddle took in that fucking fight pit match. And I just, I, oh, it still yeah. hurts thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you have your notes ready? Oh, yeah. Hold on. Oh, I wanted to talk about Cardona while we're while uh, while we're still there. Oh, please do. I don't know what you want to mention, but go ahead. Oh, you didn't see the news story about Cardona this past week? Oh God, what? Oh, I'm scared. Matt Cardona has filed for the trademark name. Oh, of Zach yeah. Ryder. Yeah, because that's gonna work. Yeah, it's Unless it's. You know why he's different. You know why he's doing it? Because he saw that after years of fuckery. WWE finally dropped the shit with Ryback. So now he's going to try to get that name. But here's the funny thing. And go through years of fuckery until he gets it. Right, exactly. That's the thing is Ryback went through years of this shit and Ryback became a social media pariah during that time. That's why they said, fuck it, go ahead, because no company is using him. Right. Matt Cardona... Man, Matt Cardona was actually is actually on TV, and like I mean, it's an impact, but he's on TV, product. right? Exactly, and it's it's funny because he did this, and he also did this because now people are like, oh, he's going to show up in the Rumble. No, he's not. No, but here's the thing: this is the guy that literally a month ago, a month ago, said, "I will never wrestle as Zack Ryder again. Zack Ryder is dead." Literally said that. That's right. He did say that. But now he's filing for the fucking trademark. Why? Because Matt Cardona is not a fucking draw. Remember that failed experiment of him being an indie belt collector? Where did that get him? Oh, yeah. He got injured and had to vacate all those fucking belts. Didn't that include the NWA World's Heavyweight title as well? Yep. Here you go, NYCW. Here you go, AIW. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here you go, West Virginia guys. Like, right. And so, so what did he do? He fucked over a handful of indies because he couldn't make good on coming back to defend the titles. Like, was he still GCW? 
No, no. No, he was never a champ there, was he? No, he was. Oh, no, he dropped it right before he got hurt, I think it was. Something yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he was doing the whole Vince McMahon do-rag. Right, yeah, oh, yeah. God, oh, God. Don't remind me. Oh, I tried to erase that from my memory. <laughs> Continue. But, yeah, he's, like, yeah, like, so... Here it is. He's a fucking hypocrite. Like this is what I mean. everyone's all. Oh, Matt Cardona. That there because I remember my last year. I was like, Matt Cardona did the same thing Cody did. He reinvented himself. Blah, blah, blah. Like Cody didn't do shit either. Cody suckered Carrie Silken and fucking Jim Cornette into getting or not even just Carrie Silken into getting brought in the Ring of Honor and then fucking tied up with the fucking Buck fucks and fucking ran rush out all over there and fucking ruined that company. Went to Japan on the coattails of that shit. Like, oi. It's, you know, it, it, the, people need to realize that the internet is stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, we know that. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Oh. <laughs> All right, get your notes out. Got them. I have a feeling this might be a long segment. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So we open with. I missed the first four minutes until you messaged me and said, "Is the ring off center?" I went, "Oh shit, it's Wednesday." <laughs> so as there. Uh, right before they did entrances for the opening match for the All Atlantic title, they show a clip from earlier in the day where Sanjay, uh, Jeff Jarrett, and Satnam Singh were going to be banned from ringside for the match. Otherwise, Sanjay was going to be fired. Mm-hmm. But then, two minutes in the match, the motherfuckers come strolling down with tickets and popcorn, with tickets in their hand. And they're allowed to kick plants out of the three ringside seats before the match officially starts. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't it? They're not allowed at ringside and they're not allowed to touch any of them or right. aren't allowed to touch orange. Right. Yeah. Then Dan Allison shows up dressed as an usher to check their tickets because, you know, that's an easy disguise to pull off. Mm-hmm. And then he waves Trent and Chuck over mm-hmm. with popcorn in their hands. So we're going to yep. take who end up sitting right with. Sanjay and Jared and Singh. So this is already looking like a fucking disaster waiting to happen. But we're not sports entertainment. In the meantime, Lethal and Cassie are having their match. Blah, blah, blah. Then we get to the Gaga at the end where... I I don't get it. About what? Why the fuck did the ref go to the outside and start yelling at people in the crowd? They didn't hop the barricade. They didn't interfere at all. Because it's Bryce Remsburg? I don't know. It it makes no fucking sense. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> In the meantime, while Bryce is happily distracted by, uh, I think it was Sanjay and Satnam or something like that. I don't fucking yeah. remember. I remember Sanjay was one of them. Yeah. Uh, Jared tries getting the guitar over to Lethal behind Bryce's back, mm-hmm. only for the guitar to be intercepted by Danhausen. 
And then uh, this, that, the other thing, Orange Retains. I honestly don't remember much about the ending aside from the guitar being stolen by Dan Housen. Oh, and then they they all got in the ring, and it was like the same thing applied. Like, the match was over, but they were all like, Sanji was like, no, 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 don't touch or else I'm going to get fired. Like, the match was oh, over. Oh, right, right, right. Like, That's and funny. you know what's really sad is if you take out all that fucking Gaga bullshit with the ringside shit, Lethal and fucking Jim were actually pulling off a decent match. Yeah. But all of that shit just made it fucking terrible. Yep. Just a lot of gaga for the sake of gaga, basically. Uh, then we get tag team match. Um, gotta admit, I was stunned the Bucks didn't wear their trios belts to the ring. Because yeah. we all know they're a bunch of vanity pariahs and yeah, what? Yeah, whatever. And the, th- um, the whole thing was they were they kept announcing on like their social media that they were going to do this big fucking thing for Jay like during their match. They didn't do shit. Right. Like what was them doing the job to top light them paying homage to Jay? I don't fucking know. Um, but the Martin brothers end up beating the Jackson brothers and yay. Um, for some reason, oh, I wrote down this is what Tony Khan had wanted all along. I think that was reference to the fact that he's been so high on the Martins, yeah, the whole time, even though Darius keeps getting fucking hurt. Yeah, um, then we cut to Gun Club with an in ring promo. Uh, they're interrupted by the acclaimed, then the four of them start brawling. Then Billy separates them and arranges for family therapy this coming week on Dynamite. Because that's sports-based, baby. Not to mention, didn't we just do all this gun club and acclaimed shit, you know, a few months ago? Yep. You know, when you know, like right before the acclaimed won the tag belts? Yep. But we don't repeat shit in AEW. Yep. It was like six months ago. Yep. Right. And for the people that say, well, it's been a long time and blah, 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 blah. It's like they, they have 200 people on their fucking roster and it's the same people on TV every fucking week. <sighs> then we get Hangman backstage with Renee. He makes reference to mending fences long overdue. Which means he's going back to the fucking elite. Right. Uh, was going to have Renee pass something along to Mox, but decided against it. Yeah, he was like, but like, like we already knew, like he was, it was like, oh, tell John I'm sorry. Yeah, something like that. But you know what this means? This means we're gonna get Elite versus fucking Blackpool with both of them as baby faces for no reason. Danielson. Oh, Claudio. Claudio and Yuta. Yeah. I, for, I, I forgot about Claudio for a second. Yeah. Uh-huh. That would be four on four. Yeah, that would that would make sense. Mm-hmm. So they're just going to do an eight-man tag at Revolution and say, fuck the trios belts for that night? Either that or they're going to fucking... Or it's going to be a four on four on Dynamite and then they'll have like a break off. Yeah, or they'll say some bullshit like Kenny's busy in Japan so they'll have fucking Hangman fucking substitute in. He's so busy with that U.S. title. Yep. Uh, my next note, fuck Judas, which yep. is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Then we get uh, Starks beating J.K. Like, this This is why fuck Judas, that's why Judas didn't make sense to me. Hager has his own music. He's come out to it just recently. Why the fuck did they bother coming out to Judas? Just because Jericho came out for commentary? Yeah, that and so the crowd could fucking sing it. Like fucking train seals. It's not Jake's song. I know. Chris was alone fighting. But the but the crowd would be cheated if they didn't get to sing it at Dynamite. No, they wouldn't. That's Tony Khan's logic, not mine. Remember, that's why he said he didn't take it away when Jericho turned heel, because we can't rob the crowd of that. The crowd loves doing that. Yeah, God, can uh, yeah, yeah. You know something? I've never actually like until like a few days ago. I never heard that song without the crowd singing it. Like it was on like shells. We were at shells for dinner and it was like on her fucking like Spotify playlist. And I was like, damn, this song really fucking sucks. Like Jericho sounds like he smoked eight packs of cigarettes before singing it. Welcome to 2022 music. Well, 2023 now. So Stark ends up beating Hager despite constant interference attempts by uh, the fucking stooges, Parker Menard. Um, then we get Jericho Garcia and Sammy backstage with Tony um, arranging a tag match for this coming week against Starks and Andretti. Still have no, I still have no fucking clue whether they're, this is really going to be Jericho and Garcia or Jericho and Sammy. I, I, it's According to the graphic, it's Jericho and Sammy. But then at one point at the end of the promo, didn't Daniel said, I got this, and then Sammy basically handed his spot off to fucking... Then maybe. I don't fucking know. I don't um, because Danny Garcia equals ratings. Uh, then we get Danielson and Bandito. Uh, Bandito <laughs> must be really fucked up. His neck that, is fucked. That KT tape job, Jesus, yeah, fuck, man. I just, I, I wrote, I went, remember when Bandito was ROH world champion? Yeah, me neither. Yeah, because I was right when they shut down, wasn't it? Yeah, he was the one that won the the he won the vacant belt um because uh, Oh, because of Gresham. Because Gresham had COVID. Right. And then they had the unification and then and Gresham won, and then they made Gresham drop the belt to Claudio in the opening match in June. Right. Jesus. Yeah. Um Danielson beats Bandito. Now this, this, this as far as length of time, this is what Takeshita should have been the week before. Right. But no, they went and took Takeshita another six to eight past this week mm-hmm. before. Yep. Much better. We're getting there. <laughs> We're kind of learning. <laughs> we get MJF on the big screen, which adds on a couple more minutes. Yep. Fuckers. Then we get a Soraya, Tony Storm, and Sheeta pre-taped. Sheeta's told to stay in the back for Tony's match. Well, we completely, completely skipped over the MJF promo at the end of Danielson's match. Did he even say anything meaningful? Yeah, remember he went over to fucking... Because they announced that Brian Cage was going to be the next opponent. Well, no, they still had to have the... No, didn't even... No, because that, that promo wasn't until later. Oh, that's right. My bad, my bad. I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was the unexplicable Tony Sarai heel turn that apparently happened on Twitter. 
Like sure. literally, like earlier in the day, Soraya just went off on the neckbeards on Twitter, and apparently that was her big heel turn. So we're just gonna come out and beat the fuck out of Willow. Sure, we'll get to that in a second. And we get Cage and Nana backstage with uh, Lexi. MJF interrupts, offers money for Cage to break Danielson's arm during their match on Dynamite this coming week. Then he decides it's a good idea to slap Cage to get him hyped up and ready to face Danielson. Because that's what I would do. I'd slap a man in the face at 75 pounds heavier than me. It could probably break me in half. That, that's smart. Yeah. Well, it's Brian Cage. It's 75 pounds of air. But <laughs> here's what I don't fucking get. Once again, we know Danielson's going to win because Cage, Brian Cage has not won a singles match on AEW television in two years. Well, until Rampage. But we'll Did he win a singles match on Rampage? We'll go over that in a minute. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hold on. I mean, you got to have the setup. I mean, you can't just put him on TV to randomly face Danielson without a win. Yeah, even though he hasn't had a singles win in two fucking years prior to this, but he's had multiple title shots for multiple titles. Um, yeah. And here's the thing. Like, I love I love Prince Nana, but, like, MJF hands the envelope to him, and he just, like, kind of opens it like, yep, whatever. Like, dude, sell that there's money in there. Like, it's the little things. Just like he just looks, and he's like, mm, whatever. Like, dude, if 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 even if that was like like what was it dollar bills? You're like, oh yeah, it's a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> so then we get the uh, Tony versus Willow match, which is our uh, basically. I don't think she was on Dark or Dark Elevation. No. So we'll that as our willow watch back to being job fodder um so she comes out during the match mm -hmm. oops i can move my shit around there we go um all right she comes to ringside anyways tony gets the roll-up win on willow after soraya's distraction and Soraya and Tony jump Willow after the match. Mm -hmm. Ruby chases Soraya and Tony off, mm -hmm. and she just fucking stood there the whole time. Yep. What's the point? It's because uh, we all thought that Sheeta was going to turn heel on Soraya and Tony, but no, Soraya and Tony turned heel on everyone, and now Sheeta's still a babyface. That's what we're getting out of this. So the most Willow can hope for right now is that Tony and Soraya find a third so that her Ruby and Sheeta can fucking go against them. Because in the meantime, they've skirted Willow off and just put Ruby in her spot. When you look at the matches coming up for the next week, I think I know who the third's going to, uh, maybe not. I got two ideas. Well, so like now it's like, you wonder like, is so does this de facto make Brit and Jamie and rebel baby faces, or are we just leaving that alone and them not going back to that? Cause they were still in the middle of that. Right. I think it's, it's, it's going to be a, it's Tony not knowing how to book. Right. Well, we knew that. Um, as far as a third, I had two names come to my head. I'm not sure they're correct ones to throw out there. Mm. Uh, one because she hasn't done anything lately. I'm putting Serena Deeb out there as a potential, mm -hmm. and then the other would be Athena, just because she's Ring of Honor Women's Champion, and you got to find a way to kind of incorporate that into your programming before the pay per view coming up in two months. <laughs> I know. 
I know, wishful thinking. Yeah. Um, and then there was the whole thing where the, there's a couple of neckbeards who have podcasts who were like, what they should do is they should take this and they should have uh, Tony, Soraya, and who the fuck? Uh, who the fuck? Like, it was basically like, oh, let's do a AEW Originals Women versus AEW Invaders and make it a blood and guts match. Like, it was the no. stupidest fucking booking I've no. ever seen. And they had Ruby Soho on the side of the AEW Originals. I'm like, but she's not a you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it was so terrible. I hate dumbasses. Uh huh. Um, then we get to Kesha interviewed backstage by Renee. I like how he ends it with saying MJF is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Well done. Um, then our main event, the match that was called a dream match that nobody thought was a dream match, but apparently is a dream match. Um, the fact that Sockface called this a dream match, maybe want to scream, but whatever. Um, Darby ends up pertaining over Kushida for the TNT title. Kashida gets brought in to be fodder. I mean, you knew this. You knew he wasn't winning. I know, but still, like, you can't bring up fucking to Kushida and all this shit. And they're like, boom. But then, like, oh, but they gave the handshake at the end, and oh, they might get a rematch down the road. Right. Like, uh, you could you could physically tell when Kushida walked out, the look in his eyes was like, I really wish I was back in Florida. Let's get this shit over with. Yeah. Uh, Rampage, since I'm assuming you don't have those results. Mm-mm. Uh, Jungle Boy beats Ethan to open the show up. Oh, Rampage. yeah. This is where they, they decided they're going to keep Jungle Hook together as a team. Right. Because at the end, at the, at, the, if I remember, at the end of the match, so Matt Hardy comes down towards the end of the match to try and help Paige win. Hook comes out to the top of the ramp, distracts Hardy. So, how should I explain this? All right. So you have the ring. You have the side mm-hmm. of the ring closest to the entrance. Hardy's at the at, literally standing up against the apron on that side of the ring. So when Hook comes out, Matt does a 180. Paige has a roll-up on Jungle Boy on that side of the ring. And grabs Matt's ponytail for extra leverage. Because he could reach him. Instinctually, Matt goes, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Which causes Paige to fall back and into a roll-up of Jungle Boys, which causes the three count. And that's how Jungle Boy won. So then Paige is like, what the fuck? Jungle Boy goes up the stage to meet Hook. And Paige challenges them to a tag match against him and Hardy. For dynamite, because mm-hmm. we got to find a way to get this fucking firm family office bullshit keep going. Right. Uh, then we got Tony with an in-ring interview with Ortiz. Uh, eventually, Ortiz calls out Eddie, who chases Tony out of the ring because he has a steel chair in his hand. I wouldn't fuck <laughs> with Eddie then either. <laughs> uh, and basically Eddie just stood there the entire time Let Ortiz shit on him And then Eddie eventually said fuck this And kneeled Ortiz to the chair and left Without saying a fucking word um, Then we get a Darby pre-tape where he offer <laughs> You don't have to fucking set up an open challenge Darby apparently just names his fucking challengers now Yep 
And then it's still listed as an open challenge on the graphic for Dynamite. Like, it's not an open challenge if Darby says who it is. Right. Uh, Darby basically gives a TNT title shot to Buddy Matthews for Dynamite. Yay. Uh, then Brian Cage beats Willie Mack in singles action. Poor Willie Mack. Yeah. Uh, then we get Gene Cargill and Layla Gray beating Jada and Jordan Vanity in tag action. Okay. Don't know who the fuck those chicks are, but okay. Locals. Uh, and then the main event, Action Andretti beats Daniel Garcia. Yay. This is Action Andretti's big push. He got a win on Rampage. Over Garcia. <laughs> former, former Ring of Honor peer champion. <laughs> what? Any Ring of Honor championship reigns that happened after 2020 do not count. Fuck you. It's true. Um, all right. I got two things to bring up that are AEW affiliated. Well, ish. Are we going to talk about Jericho being a Karen? Uh, you can bring that up right now if you want before I get into my stuff. Do you know about that? I saw he got angry at somebody on Twitter for not liking. I don't remember what it was. I, 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 no, no, no. So, so two weeks ago, he went off on the Wyndham Hotel chain because he accidentally hit a button on their automatic fucking phone shit and it canceled his room reservation. It was his fault, but he went off on them because it canceled his reservation because he hit the wrong button on the automated system. Dumbass. And then this past week, fucking he, he copped an attitude with the front desk manager at a Hilton and went on Twitter and called out the desk manager by name and talked shit about the Hilton resorts. Oh, and Derek. Pinned the, yeah, Derek. And he pinned the tweet. And if you notice, both the Wyndham tweet and the Hilton tweet, Jericho has officially started tweeting like his wife's fucking hero. <laughs> the one she went to defend on January 6th. Oh, God. Whose name I will not mention. Right. So Jarek Heron is in full effect. Oh, also, also, anybody who wants to talk about how great of a rock star Chris Jericho is, I would like to bring up that Fozzie's next tour has been announced. Has it really? Yes. They are the opening act for an Ugly Kid Joe reunion tour. Those of you that don't remember, Ugly Kid Joe was a hard rock slash metal band in the early 1990s. Their biggest hits came off of their album, America's Least Wanted, that came out in 1992. Thank you. Out of that, was 10 Things I Hate About, uh, was uh, every, I Hate Everything About You, Cats in the Cradle, um, Madman. And then they, re- they released a follow-up album called Menace to Sobriety, which had no record char- charting hits. Then Whitfield Crane left the band to go become the lead singer of Life of Agony, and the band ceased to exist for the most part. They just reformed, and they are going on a reunion tour, and Fozzie are the openers. Can't wait to play in front of hundreds and hundreds of fans. <laughs> um, it's like Jericho seems to think he's this giant thing because he does that Jericho's bullshit, and Fozzie headlines it, and that means he's a rock star. No, people go on it because there's 40 other bands booked on the shit, and there's wrestling all weekend. And it's a cruise that's all-inclusive. Yeah. And you get COVID, too, so it's fucking dynamite. That's <laughs> true. <sighs> Anyways... Two items I wanted to bring up. Number one, 
Did you hear Tony Khan on uh, CBS Sports Radio this past week? No. He was interviewed on the Maggie and Perloff show. Okay. When that usually is, don't fucking ask me (laughs) because I'm not a fan of either person, so fuck them. Um, Tony Khan confirmed during this interview that he is interested in WWE. (laughs) Tony! Tony! (laughs) That ain't gonna happen, son. (laughs) Shad Khan would have to sell off half of his assets to buy that shit. Because that's the thing, Tony Khan doesn't have the money Shad Khan does. Oh, Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. Oh, did you see the bullshit where the fucking basement goblins are blaming WWE for the Jaguars losing yesterday? It was two days ago, but why? Sorry. Because during the pre-show, NBC Sports was there, and they interviewed outside of the arena. There was Montez Ford and Bianca Belair, and fucking them, and they were all wearing Kansas City jerseys. Mother... I know! They were there to promote the fucking Rumble! <laughs> but it was this big plot WWE made Jacksonville lose I'm not making this shit up either I've been seeing screenshots all weekend <laughs> oh God. I'm gonna send you one of these things you gotta so- see this shit Hey, um, guys, <coughs> I'm going to send you one of these. I swear. Guys, listen, <sighs> um, Bianca and Montez have nothing to do with your, with the Jaguars lack of capabilities in taking advantage of an injured starting quarterback for Kansas city. It's not their fault. It's your defense's fault. Oh my god. Check your DMs. Oh. Oh, I uh, I needed that. Thank you. I needed that laugh. Oh goodness gracious. Uh these are the ones responsible for the elimination. <laughs> the E continues to plot against con sporting businesses. Enough with the injustices. <laughs> How can we spread the word about these dirty games? <laughs> ah! Told you. Because <laughs> it's not like WWE has a PLE on their fucking peacock one week from that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, that. Oh. And didn't so I didn't watch the game, oh, but didn't they didn't so didn't they knock out Mahomes and then a backup fucking quarterback still beat them? So so Mahomes suffered a high ankle sprain that took him out of um a good part of the second quarter. That sucks. Um 
And then, yeah, the backup came in and drew, went down the field 98 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, that was and it. it. Ended up being the game, the difference in the game. They won by seven. <laughs> but it was, and but Mahomes did come back in to play the second half. He was oh, okay. limping over the place and heavily taped up. But, uh, like, <sighs> tell you. Oh, they never most toxic fan base on the planet, man. They never cease to amaze me. It's goddamn fabulous. Not to mention these people didn't watch football until two weeks ago when Jacksonville got into the fucking oh. into the playoffs. Um, you know, I'm gonna. The other thing I wanted to talk about, um, I'm gonna hold off on for now because I do want to try getting a side. Uh, side of the story, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the overall synopsis okay. of what it's regarding. Uh, so Dustin Rhodes was scheduled for an appearance. Oh yeah. That, uh, over the weekend at, uh, a place called heroes hideout. It's a like a uh, collectibles and toy store. It's a chain. Um, well it's now it's a chain. Um, but simply it was going to be at the colony center, um, location. Um, they also have locations. I want to say Warwick. There's one in Mass. Yeah. And they have a seasonal one that opens up during the spring and summer up in Lake George. Yeah. They used to have two in Mass, um, but one of them broke off. Right. As a, in the zombies hideout of them. Yep. Uh huh. Um. So and then, uh, but apparently there was a whole social media exchange between Dustin and the guy running the Heroes Hideout Twitter, which I believe was the owner, if I remember correctly. Um. And there was talk about it being the Dustin's agent who really fucked shit up, not Dustin and not the store and just a whole thing. But bef- before getting knee deep into casting blame into that event, I'm still trying to get a hold of my buddy who is the owner of those, of those stores. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I want to get his side of the story. Okay. To kind of compare and contrast with Dustin's version of events and we'll go from there. So, right. um, but we will address that at some point in the next week or two. Just wanted to put that out there though. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I, I'm not I'm not just avoiding the story because my buddy owns the stores. I just want to get his side before I go right. casting aspersions on anyone. Right. Um, so we'll go with that. Uh, that being said. Would you like to go inside the ring or outside of the ring to start with? Uh... Let's go inside. All right. Let's begin with last week's raw then. Um Began with uh, Usos in the ring. Judgment Day interrupts. Brawl breaks out. Ali eventually evens the numbers because he's facing Solo in a match anyways to start the show. Um, then we get Solo dominating the match. KO comes looking. Uh, well, the Usos come out. Then KO comes out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> starts beating up the Usos on the outside. Solo gets the win over Ali, but then gets attacked by KO. Mm-hmm. Officials eventually break it up and whatever. Um, then we get a Lashley pre-tape for the U.S. title match later. Well, not the U.S. title match. U.S. title no one contenders match late at the end of the show. Then we get uh, the official announcement. Your good buddy. He's coming back for the Royal Rumble. Ugh. Cody Rhodes will be returning at the Royal Rumble. He's not winning it. 
we'll oh fuck that's this weekend we got to break that down thank you for reminding me um then we get Elias backstage with Byron Saxton, right, which happened to be right outside of Pierce's office. MVP walks out of the office to interrupt um, and then decides he's go. Elias decides there's a challenge to face who MVP was calling the 2023 Royal Rumble winner. We know where this is going. We'll get to that okay. in a minute. Um. Then we get the Prophets against Shelton, uh, Shelton and Cedric. MVP comes down mid-match. Eventually actually tries helping out, but instead ends up costing Shelton and Cedric the, mass, the yep. match. I don't know what we're doing here. Uh, I, I, I think it's probably what you're thinking. It's all just... Smoke and mirrors. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Uh, they got Judgment Day backstage with Kathy. They're interrupted by Alpha Academy. That sets up the match for later. Then we got Becky and Bailey facing off in the ring, and they eventually set up a steel cage match for tonight. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then we get Ziggler and Ali backstage. Can we just end that already? Like, uh, first get rid get, of Ali. First, got to get a concussion lo- loses. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Um, that's rude. I shouldn't fucking say that because of Dolph's past. Yeah. Um, then turns out to be Omos who comes out and beats the fuck out of Elias for the of win. Course. Yeah. Because we saw that coming. Now we get Pierce talking backstage with Byron Saxon for whatever fucking reason. I don't remember. I think it was about the Royal Rumble, maybe. Yeah. Sazawa interrupts because he wants a spot in the Rumble mm-hmm. and then says, Well, fuck it. Give me a match so I can prove I'm worthy of a spot in the Rumble. Mm-hmm. And Pierce is like, Sure. We'll come back around to that. Uh, then we get Dom and Damien beating Alpha Academy in tag action. Uh, then we get Mia Yim beating Io Sky, and then Candice helping fight off Dakota after the match. It seems like they're setting up for Mia and uh, Candice to do a tag bit for a bit. Probably. Uh, then we get Bianca cutting a promo in ring. She calls on Alexa, offers her a title match at the Rumble. And the chance didn't make the stipulation for the match. Uh, Alexa doesn't even name a stipulation. They just break out into a fight. And then they go into the the ringside area. Bianca's about to KODB uh, Alexa onto a set of chairs that she set up. But then an Uncle Howdy figure appears in the... From the concession stand. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was literally one of the hallways that goes to concessions. Your your good old Memphis concession stand fight. (laughs) And then, uh... That was was, was Tupelo. Oh, whatever. (laughs) And then Alexa gains advantage there, and DDT's Bianca on the floor before they go to break. Then the Tozawa match ends up getting the shit beat out by Bronson Reed for that, for his troubles. Poor guy. I was really hoping they were going to put him over. Like, just, like, give Tozawa something and give him an upset. Right. Uh, then we get Seth backstage with Byron. Anyone who quotes Queen at the end of their promo is fine by me. Oh, also, I just want to point out something because they're really trying to play up the whole fucking Bronson Reed tsunami bit, and yes. like, and you could tell they put in crowd noise for that finisher because right. it didn't match. And also, when they showed the replay, he didn't even jump. He literally stumbled off of the top rope and fell on Tozawa. Yeah, he had one foot on the top rope and basically like. Fell in the middle, and they basically just kind of like, uh huh. Yeah. So it's like he doesn't he doesn't even have the balance that he used to. Fucking, fucking impact, man, ruining everyone. <laughs> um, it was Bronson Reed ruining himself. 
So we get to the six-man elimination match to determine the number one contender for the U.S. title for this week on Raw. Seth eliminates the gets the first three eliminations: Miz, Dolph, and Finn. Then Lashley eliminates Corbin, and then pins Seth. That's going to be Lashley against Theory tonight on Raw for the U.S. title. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll come back to Raw for tonight in a second. NXT didn't watch it. I know because you're you're protesting. Boycotting, and I hold to that. Uh, they opened with Apollo and Axiom beating Melo and Trick in tag action. And we had Tony D and Stax doing a vignette at that all-too-familiar bridge. And so Stax is going to be promoted from a soldier to an underboss in the film. Oh, Jesus. What, what does it matter when there's no one except the two of them in it? Who are you going to be underbossing, fucker? The family. What family? I don't fucking know. There is no family. I don't know. The boss is the fucking the empty seats. I don't know. Go fix the numbers at the empty racetrack. <laughs> um. <laughs> then we get Tiffany Stratton with a backstage interview with Mackenzie. Um. Hold on, I'm looking down here to see if I can find any more Tony D'Angelo's family. Oh, fuck you. Maybe they all sank from the concrete shoes. <laughs> oh, then we get Toxie Traction in the ring, cutting a promo. Then interrupted by Lyra Valkyria. Uh, Gigi and JC attack Lyra, and then Roxanne Perez makes a save, sing up a tag match at the end of the night. And then we get Diamond Mine in the gym. Ivy Nile basically gives tears new assholes into the creeds. That's how the promo ends. Then we get to put Brutus on a diet or what? Maybe. Then we get a Stevie Turner vignette where she's breaking down the previous week's Women's Battle Royal. Yay. Uh, Sol Ruka beats Alba Fire thanks to a distraction from Isla Dawn from the Crow's Nest. So we're still um, going to keep going with this fucking feud. Yeah, because Alba Fire now seems to have moments of being possessed in the midst of her um, general actions. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, then we get Jack with a pre-tape about Wesley. Then a Waller pre-tape with Vic. Boy. A pre-tape interview with Vic, excuse me. Uh, then, like I mentioned, Alba Fire losing her shit backstage. Caden uh, and Katana, the women's tag champs, calm her down. Um, and Alba was still kind of being shitty towards him at the end of the segment anyways. Again, like I mentioned, the whole possession thing. Uh, yeah. uh, then Mark Coffey and Wolfgang beat Briggs and Jensen. Yeehaw. Uh, then we get Chase. Why do we have Chase U backstage? I don't remember this segment. I don't know if I know. Uh, then we get Briggs, Jensen, and Fallon in the training room. Uh, then, oh, this is why. Tia Hale gets her first victory. She beats Valentina Feroz after Valentina refuses to use the brass knucks that were slid into her by Electra Lopez. I don't know what the fuck we're doing with Valentina Electra right now. but I, I... So they're basically putting, so they're putting Electra with Valentina because, Val, because Valentina hardly speaks English, and this way Electra can speak to her in Spanish. 
Lovely. Uh, then we get Apollo, Mello, and Trick interacting in the parking lot. Apollo asks Mello and Trick where he can get a haircut, even though he doesn't have any fucking hair. Christ almighty. Uh, then we get Vic announcing Jay Briscoe's death going to break. Yeah, and apparent, so apparently I read up there was supposed to be a segment that Sean actually yanked from NXT. Right, so basically was, it, yeah. it's, that's coming up next. Yeah. Um, frozen electric backstage. Then this is the same you're talking about. Originally, apparently, because <clears throat> they were still dressed in black and white for this segment, the New Day were going to have a funeral-type segment for Pretty Deadly. However, that was changed on the fly because reasons, obviously. Um, so it just turned into an in-ring promo with Pretty Deadly interrupting, and then Gallus, and then Pretty Deadly... Pretty deadly attack New Day, but they got disposed of, and then Gallus came in and got into it with New Day. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna have a three-way for the tag belts at Vengeance Day, correct? Uh, then Roxanne and Lyra are backstage with Mackenzie. Javi interrupts because he's Javi. Ugh. Then we get a Braun Breaker pre-tape interview with Vic. Uh, Tyler Bate makes his return, defeating Javi Bernal. Um, then we get, did you say Kona Reeves? Yes. Javi is the new Uh, Kona Reeves. Yes. Yes. Uh, then we get Fallon apologizing to Brooks Jensen about the way he's, she's been acting towards Kiana the last few weeks and says that she has asked for a tag match this coming week to team with Kiana. Uh, Uh, then the main event, Cora J tries to run interference. Lyra Valkyria chases her away. And then Roxanne Perez gets the pinfall win on Toxic Attraction. Which one? I don't remember. I th- think JC. doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And I have a note here anyways about that tag title match being a triple threat at Vengeance Day. So it'll be Gallus, Pretty Deadly, and New Day. Um, I'm going to see. I don't think there's been... I don't think there's. I, I mean, that's if I could spell fucking vengeance correctly too. Um, I think there's the only. Th- oh wow, there's four official matches booked already. Okay, so four title matches officially booked already for Vengeance Day, which is February fourth. Mm-hmm. So that's what two weeks from now. Yeah, they're going to. Sh- Oh, that's fucking. That's this. Okay, yeah. So that's a, a week from Saturday. Yeah. Uh, at the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good test before they go to L.A. for Mania. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your four title matches booked so far. They're the only four matches booked in general. Uh, Braun and Grayson Waller steel cage for the NXT title. Wesley defend the North American title against DiJack. Uh, the tag team triple threat match, New Day, Gallus, Pretty Deadly. And then the women's title triple threat, Roxanne, Gigi, and JC. Um, trying to think if there's anything else they might book. Maybe into Sheer in the Creeds, depending how that plays out between TV yeah. this week and next week. Yeah. Um, and maybe Charlie Dempsey and Drew Gulak. Right. 
And then I'd say maybe something involving Alba and Isla, but I don't know for sure. Mm. Or maybe something involving Alba and a partner against uh, Caden and Katana, depending how they push that angle. That was kind of sort of started. Um, But again, we'll wait and see on that. Um, So yeah, that's that. All right. Smackdown. Which was interesting. Um, it was almost exclusively tag team matches, and you'll find out why in a minute. Um, so the bloodline—they show—they start the show by showing the bloodline arriving to the arena. Sammy daps up the Usos, but then Roman does not dap him up. One of that later. So. The quarterfinals of the SmackDown Tag Team Title Tournament were all held mm-hmm. on Friday. The first one being Drew and Sheamus beating the Viking Raiders. A hoss match is what we'll call that. Uh, then Roman and Sammy backstage in the locker room. Sammy says he was disappointed by not knowing the plan for his KO match the week before. Roman tells him to get out, quote, go find your own bloodline or something. Yeah. Uh, then we get a Raquel pre-tape about the Royal Rumble. Then LA Knight comes out, cuts an in-ring promo, beats some local jobber. And then we got the return of the Firefly Funhouse. I'm sure you enjoyed that for three and a half minutes. That was... Uh, did you, is your headset fucked? Is that what's going on over there? It must be, because now he's putting on a new one, plugging it in. Hi, my name is Brian, and this is JJ, and this is White Heat. You okay now, buddy? Yeah, I had to break out the spare uh, headset. Fucking headsets, man. I'm assuming you enjoyed Firefly Funhouse. Very much. Very much. Um, Then the second quarterfinal of the tag team tournament, we got Hit Row beating Los Lotharios. Um, then we got a replay of that Cody recovery vignette for the Rumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, then a Braun pre-tape about the Rumble. Then I I don't know where they're going. Like I know where they're going, but I don't know. It's weird. Uh, so Charlotte comes out, cuts an in-ring promo, calls out Sonya. Then Sonya comes out, whatever, blah blah blah. Then she gets a cheap shot on Charlotte as Pierce was interrupting them, mm-hmm. and then runs off. So I I don't I don't know if they're doing something at Rumble. I don't know if they're doing something on TV this week. I don't fucking know. I would assume TV. Then we get Roman and Paul backstage in the locker room in which Paul pulls out his... He pulls out the line from his fucking WWE, uh, his Peacock documentary, The Life and Times of Paul Heyman, when Mm -hmm. he's talking about his... uh, I can't remember what it was. I believe it was a line describing the way Vince McMahon thought about Paul Heyman during the time Heyman was working SmackDown, which was rather have him in the Kissel, the castle pissing out than outside the like castle pissing, pissing in. in. Yep. Um, I heard that line. I was like, gee, I think I've heard that before. Yep. Um, where was it? And then we get another vignette for Operation Cobra Clutch. <laughs> Uh, then we get our third quarter final of the tournament, Imperium advancing over Ridge and Butch. Uh, then Paul goes fi- goes and finds Sammy backstage, tells him that Roman would like to see him. 
a Shayna pre-tape for the Rumble match, <sighs> a cross pre-tape about Ray and the Rumble. Uh-huh. And we're getting Cross versus Ray on SmackDown on Friday. And then the final quarterfinal in the SmackDown Tag Team Tournament, Legato beats Maximum Male Models. It's like we didn't so see that coming. <laughs> I'll show the bracket in a second so you can see what's going on. Then we get Roman and Sammy backstage. They make amends in the locker room. And then Roman gives Sammy shit to do while he goes out to take care of the contracts. Right. He tells him, he says, he says, go find the Usos, get the, get, get the escalades uh, ready to go. Um, I'm going to go out with solo. And that way we're just going to bounce right away. So that actually gave credence to why everyone was where they were when the segment happened. Right. So contract signing. Uh, Roman comes out with Paul and Solo. Roman kicks his feet up on the table, just chilling, waiting for KO's entrance. KO comes out, but not the traditional way. Probably, I'm guessing, through the crowd, somehow yeah. off camera. Hops up on the apron, takes out Solo, gets in the ring, stuns um, Roman. Right, Roman, yep. Then they were supposed to come out to try and help KO takes care of them, then does a pop-up powerbomb to Roman through the table. Mm -hmm. And KO signs the contract, and then Sammy finally arrives, but KO takes off through the crowd, and that's how the show goes off the air. Right. Now, the bracket that I was mentioning. Mm -hmm. So here was the original bracket. Obviously, mm -hmm. I mentioned uh, starting with the upper left corner, Drew and Sheamus moved on. Mm -hmm. They'll face Hit Row in the semis. That's hilarious. And the other side of the bracket, top right, Imperium defeated the Brutes. And then Legato beat the Maximum Male Mall. So it'll be Imperium and Legato. So I feel um, like it's going to be Sheamus and Drew versus Imperium in the finals. That's what I'm leaning towards as well. Um, There'll be a very NXT feel to that one semifinal, which yeah. I um, I can dig. Yeah, like old, not not right, not, right, right. You've, yeah, yeah. Um, now because of a multitude of issues that came up between Alpha and Sika apparently not being comfortable enough to fly or whatever, it yeah, may be. yeah. Plus, Rikishi got sick last week. Yeah. Um, the whole acknowledgement ceremony with the generations of the bloodline has mm -hmm. been canned for a different bloodline segment. Tonight yep. on Raw, mm -hmm. it's going to be essentially like a trial of Sami Zayn, is how I've heard it described. Yes, and what I feel like they could do here that they might is, um, it would be a trial by tribal council, mm -hmm. and that way they could still bring in Rikishi. Um, they could still bring in Samu if they want. Yeah, obviously Afasika and uh, and oh no, Rikishi said was sick. My bad. Well, he was um, sick last week. I don't know how he's feeling now. Exactly. So it's kind of up in the air. So they could still bring in Rikishi. Afa and Sigi. Yeah, Afa, Pops doesn't travel far from home now. Um, they could bring in Tonga Kid if they wanted to. Um, mm -hmm. And then obviously, because this this whole thing that they had planned was to bring out The Rock. That's what it's there for. So somehow we're still going to get that. Uh Sorry, bear with me for a second. Uh-huh. Something quick. Um, okay. So. Take a look at my notes here. 
Um, now I'm trying to find Raw for tonight, so bear with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously we have the steel cage match with um, Bailey and Becky. Mm-hmm. U.S. title match between Theory defending against uh, Lashley. Mm-hmm. The Tribal Court, as it's being labeled, yes, yes, exactly. Um, obviously, a bunch of legends will be on because it is Raw Thirty. You'll have and the yeah, the Raw uh, tag match, the Raw tag title match has gotten moved to Raw from the Rumble. Correct. So we're gonna have the Usos defending against Dom. It is gonna be Dom and Damian, and not mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously a bunch of legends will be around. Um, Hogan's going to be there, I guess. Taker, mm-hmm. Flair, mm-hmm. Uh, Hunter, Sean, um, Pac. Kurt Angle will be there. Pac. Yep. I think I saw DDP in one of the graphics. I'm, I don't see him in this one, but it's possible. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Lawler, Teddy Long, Ron uh-huh. Simmons, Kurt Angle, mm-hmm. um, Road Dog. Those are all the announced ones I'm seeing here. Yeah. But again, that's just this particular portion of the website. Right. Um, so that's raw. Oh, duh. Yeah. Now, real quick, because I forgot about this. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know. Uh, we do have to preview the Royal Rumble real quick. Yes. For the time being. Uh-huh. Um, so let me get into that real quick. Let me find a banner for this. Um, yeah. So we have to do a Royal Rumble preview. Here we go. Except I don't know how to spell, apparently. Um, <laughs> I love the shit on the fly. All right. Uh, so the three non Rumble matches we have as of right now, obviously. The Mountain Dew pitch black match between Bray and L.A. Knight. Grape soda, motherfucker. I wonder who's winning that. Uh, um, you don't know. It could very well be like we, we could have Bray turn into the fiend, but then have the Uncle Howdy guy come out and fucking knock him out. And L.A. Knight gets the win that way. Like, you know, we don't know. Because apparently some some rumor is that Mania is going to be um, Bray versus Uncle Howdy. We'll see. You should see who the fuck Uncle Howdy is. Right. Um, Bianca versus Alexa for the Raw Women's title. Mm-hmm. Don't have a fucking clue. I'm, I'm pretty sure Bianca's holding that through through Mania. If she dropped like, uh, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Now, now I got you thinking. Yeah. I don't. I feel like they're still going to do a unification match at Mania, so I'm trying to figure out how they'll get to that. I don't know. I don't know. And then obviously uh, Roman versus KO for the undisputed Universal Title, mm-hmm. which brings me real quick before we get into the actual Rumble match themselves mm-hmm. to this interesting piece of news. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this is official, official. This is everything I've been seeing from the last 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Reports are Dwayne is out. Nah. I'm just following the reports. I'm not saying it's official. That's Which report I'm... are you seeing this from? Bear with me. 
Hang on. Let me try to find it again. Because the most overlapping one I've seen is Meltzer with the plans change bullshit. Let me see. Because that was the I saw a rumor going like, oh, Rock isn't in, in, in ring shape enough to be able to do it, which is bullshit because the Rock is bigger now than when he was actually wrestling. Unfortunately, this article is quoting Meltzer. So I'm just being bored. Told you. Um, but that's it's it's circling, which also has caused this to start circling. Someone taking Dwayne's place to face Roman. With a Brinks truck of cash being backed up to him, apparently. What, Cena? No. Think about another guy from Rock's era. Austin? No, won't happen. I agree. Won't happen. I agree. Austin got had fun doing a Gaga match. Yeah, Austin's uh, not going to fucking. Yeah, no. I agree. Um, other stuff before we get into a bunch of the WWE corporate update bullshit. Um, apparently, uh, there's now interest in bringing back AOP with Paul Ellering. I don't see it happening. I think that's a crock of shit. Um, and I love, I was a big proponent of that tandem. However, AOP is in a lot of hot water because of that indie show they tried running in, what was it? Bahrain or fucking Some UAE or something like that in the middle East. And the whole reason that Paul Ellering was not with them when they got to the main roster is Ellering does not want that tour schedule. And that was four years ago. So guarantee he doesn't want it now for it. Was it for you? It was my maybe longer, but yeah, Ellering because Eller, Ellering did Ellering managed AOP and NXT because he just had to fly down to Florida a couple times a month. That was easy enough, but Ellering has his own life and he's retired. He's he, he can't tour. He doesn't want to. Um, a couple more names, by the way, for tonight that I didn't mention. Your DDP is correct. He is supposed to be on the show at some point tonight. Uh, Ted DiBiase, IRS, Alundra Blaze, The Godfather, and Lita are other names. Yes. That are apparently going to be at the show tonight. Um, of course, Bully Ray would claim he got a call about it, but is not doing it. Fuck him. Whatever. He's full of shit. Um, he he probably said that just to throw salt on the whole on the whole Devon thing. Yeah, yeah, pretty much because he does reference Devon when he talked about it. So fuck exactly. Him. Uh, WWE Two K Twenty Three official release date is March Fourteenth. John Cena is the cover boy for the game. That's why the AW game's not coming out in March now. Look at my balls. How about that? Um, that's that that's that that's that their narrative right now say i i know i'm well aware because it was Um, supposed to come out in march and then they were like oh december date what else or you mentioned that or you mentioned that um what else okay um also some interesting stuff going on here which i 
guess I kind of saw coming. Um, so there's indie content being pulled from Peacock. Oh yeah, the, all the progress stuff. They're, progress they're gone. ICW announced their departure yeah. from the network as well. Because that was all part of the NXT UK deal. That's why. Um, I'm kind of guessing that might also lead to stuff from like I know they have some random WXW stuff on there too. Right, because that was when Gunter was booking over there. Right. So um, it looks like pretty much all the indie content is going to be gone from Peacock, if yep. not already, right. in the near future. Yeah, because Progress um, is already rebranding their next show to you know to show that they're going to be not be on Peacock anymore. Correct. And I mean, to be to be realistic, it didn't really like it gave them a little bit of U.S. exposure, but like the U.K. doesn't get Peacock, so it wasn't affecting their ticket sales over there. They're still running in small ass arenas, and that's the thing is, they, it's like it was nice to be able to view Progress stuff on Peacock, but like you're looking at, and they're running in a 16 foot ring in a garage with like fucking 40 people in the crowd. And like, it doesn't reflect well on WWE's overall product. Very well. Yeah. Um, by the way, we totally skipped over the rubble matches. Um, yeah. <sighs> See, I don't. <sighs> All right. So let's go on this assumption to start off. Okay. Let's assume for the moment. This is a very big assumption for me. Mm-hmm. Not the first part. Charlotte's still SmackDown Women's Champion going into the match. Uh-huh. Let's go with the bigger assumption for me, which is Bianca is still champion after the Alexa match that night. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Who has not won a Rumble yet? That probably should this year. There's a lot of them. Because if you look at the history of the Rumble, it's always been Charlotte, Charlotte, Ronda, Charlotte, Ronda, Asuka. That's it. Becky. Oh, wait. Becky won it one year. Yeah. That's right. Asuka. That was the year she lost at Mania to Charlotte, right? Yes. All right. So Asuka, Ronda, Charlotte, Bianca, Becky. That's it. That's so right there's it. a. Yeah, because they, so the women's Rumble match has only been happening for, for a few years. Here we go. Let me try to see. I'm not doubting you. I'm just trying to think. What else here? Ah, oh, here we go. Winners. Uh, Asuka, Becky. Oh, yeah, because they... Right. Right. Okay, so, yeah. So, let me think about this. I mean, the obvious names. They could do, what do you call it? There, There's a whole bunch of names they could do. They could do Bailey. They could do, uh, you know, they could do, they could, they could use it to try to elevate someone. Um, there's obvious, Rhea, exactly. Um, there's obvious, you know, word that uh, Naomi's coming back. Um, really have, I still believe that Sasha's going to show up. I don't know about Naomi winning, though. I think that's. Uh, I don't see her about her winning. I could see but I see if her Sasha returns, I could see them. Yeah. Putting her. Oh yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um. Just, I'm trying to think of any other women that stand out. 
There's not. A, this is going to be th this year's Women's Rumble is going to be a way to feature more of the NXT talents that are ready to come up. Granted, there's not a lot of them. I also think you're going to see just because they've announced so few people so far. This is also going to be one of those rumbles where there's returns that there's all, there's more returns than people anticipate coming out of this. Like I wouldn't be shocked if you see Carmella return at the Rumble match because she's been out of action for so long. Yeah, um, but she's still recovering. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm, we haven't seen Natty in in like a month or two. Natty yeah. will probably return yes. to the Rumble match. Yeah. Um, we already mentioned Naomi. We already mentioned Sasha. Oh God, we're gonna get Aaliyah. Um, I mean, I mean, they could they could use it to somehow <laughs> they could use to elevate Raquel. Well, Raquel's one they already announced. I think that would be yeah. She'll she'll have her moments in that match. I would definitely say that. I don't know. I just don't know if they make her as the winner. I mean, they might because they aren't San Antonio, right? So yeah, maybe for the sake of the pop they could go Raquel maybe it's it's one of those up in the air things which is good because I it's think been Raquel, a while Rhea, Bailey, like or barring a Sasha return Bailey Raquel and Rhea are your three most probably logical options yeah the men's side oh, fuck me um I couldn't even begin to fucking guess at this point do we know anything about Riddle? Health wise? Uh, I'm not saying no. he would win it, but I'm just saying as far as a return. He might be returning. His suspension uh, his suspension would be up. Fucking men's singles guys. Not named Cody. I'm trying to think. It's not gonna be Cody. Right. Cody. I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to think of guys, Seth. Right. Seth doesn't want to rumble, has he? No, he hasn't. And the thing is, Seth is also everyone thinks that Seth is legit hurt from that spot during the Lashley. Or what do you call it? that? That's the thing is everyone thought Seth was legit hurt and then he showed back up. So oh, wait, Seth won in 19. That's right. That's right. I forgot that him and Becky won the same year. Yes, that's right. But Seth is obviously an option. Um, I mean, Braun's always an option. Because they haven't gone down that road yet, but they I doubt they would. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Gunter's an option, but I doubt they would blow that load. I agree. I don't think they're going to go down that road. Um, I mean, there's guys that are options. There's just like, there's no one that would be a lock except for one. Right. Who's the one? Dwayne. <sighs> so, this has been built for a year, dude. Silently, this has been putting been, been getting put together for a year. The moment they announced Hollywood, here's, here's, the moment they put that little fucking Easter egg in Young Rock. Here's 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 the, here's the question I'm gonna pose. I'm gonna pose. Mm -hmm. I obviously because the timing of when they announced everything and the Young Rock thing and all that shit. That was obviously all Vince era. Decision making. Yeah. Is there anything that would make anybody think that Hunter would have made a change to that decision? 
Nope. Because even Hunter, when it comes down to it, Hunter knows what box office means. And this, especially now, especially now with word of a company sale coming, you need to have the most viewed and most profitable WrestleMania ever. And considering they already did Roman versus Brock last year, they need to top that. And the only way to top that is Roman and Dwayne. There's no Cody is not box office. That was proven when Cody was main eventing dynamite and the ratings went down. All right. So there lies another question. Mm -hmm. Let's assume that everything we've been hearing from the last month has been all misdirection and that Dwayne is the guy who shows up and wins. Uh huh. I don't say he wins, but I say he's there. He's not going to show up and not win. He's going to win. I sorry. I mean, I'm at Mania, not Rumble. Yeah, he's winning the Rumble. Right. Then comes the next question mm-hmm. of, and I I'm only putting it out there just because they're putting so much production into his return. Where do you, do you just lump him back into the U.S. title picture with Theory? Yeah, they, they haven't put that. So they made they produced return packages, but it's the same two return packages that have been playing over and over again. And the fact is, they're only doing that because Cody has been such a wasted investment that they have to remind people that he works for them to try to get people somewhat fucking interested because. Besides that initial fucking pop at Mania, and besides the sympathy pop that he got at the Hell in a Cell, he has not had an overall effect on ratings, on merch sales, anything. This is me talking from a business standpoint, not me talking from the I could give a fuck less about Cody Rhodes standpoint. Right. I get that. Cody Rhodes is not a main eventer, no matter how much people want to fucking say it. The only time Cody Rhodes has ever main evented is on a show that he fucking booked to put himself over. There. Cody was never fucking IWGP champion for a reason. He was just U.S. champ, if I remember correctly. Was he? I think he was. No. He was ROH champ when he was, he was able to flee scary, carry Silken and he was NWA champ for walking, whopping three weeks because he booked himself to go over Nick all this at fucking all in. Right. And then he lost it. What was it like the 70th anniversary show or some shit like that? Yeah. It was like three weeks later, but no one seems to, no one wants to remember that. Um, yeah, he beat juice Robinson for the U S title. Oh, okay. And then dropped it. It looks like he dropped it to Omega. All right, because it was him, Omega, and Coda in a three-way, and he dropped it to Omega that night. Right. So let's just think. Let me. So let me. Okay. So let me do this here. Okay. So. I mean, you can always you can obviously pull the misdirection that they pulled the last couple of years where Owens loses the title match but then enters into the rumble. I wouldn't put him over then again anyway to just continue this program some more. Because we've already like this like we've already done this program we you know a year ago and we came back to it. Mm-hmm. Sammy is not winning it. 
I wouldn't even be, I'd be like, I, honestly, I think this is going to be one of the things where people are going to get pissed because Sammy's not even going to be in the Rumble match. Not bad, huh? I think that's going to be like Sammy's punishment for not helping out is he's not going to be in the Rumble. So you're saying he's going to be Daniel Bryan? No. Wasn't it your Daniel Bryan was... They thought was going to be in the rumble, or no? That's what it, no. That's what it was. The year they wanted him to win, he got eliminated was, like right away, and Roman won. Well, no, there was also the year I think it was the year before where he had like the opening match or the second match with Bray, and there yeah, and then he wasn't in the rumble. Match later, he wasn't in the rumble at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Like that, that could obviously, like, honestly, that could be the, the, the catalyst tonight. Uh, they tell Sammy, like, listen, I know you had hopes of being in the Royal Rumble, but in order to pay homage to your tribal chief, you need to forfeit your spot in the Rumble in order to show your loyalty. And Sammy will reluctantly do so. And then we could very well met- much get a fucking boom on the Titan Tron. And there's the rock going, I'll take his spot. Interesting. Um, all right. Before we get out of here, I hate the fact this has to be like an every week thing, but <laughs> number one, um, so Vince settles with Rita Chatterton out of court. Mm-hmm. Who knows what that is? Money, money, money. <laughs> Um, we have a new class action lawsuit against Vince. This one coming from is it what, Michigan, Detroit, uh, Michigan Fire. Fire and Police yeah. or some shit. Yep. Um, basically, they're, they're revealing shit about like the bylaws being changed or some shit. Yep. And that was reported through SEC filings. And yep. I don't know. Whole so, it's the of- sec- so it's the second class action suit that has been filed by the class A stockholders. Correct. Because the mission, the reason it's the Michigan Fireball, well, because they basically their um, their fund is in a mortgage backed security that includes WWE stock. So here's my here's my question of that, Mister uh, Businessman Alexander. Didn't know if you wanted to change your glasses or not for this segment. I don't know where the fuck they are right now. So, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, do these lawsuits mean jack shit at all? They do. They do. Um, this is How because much can they hamper the sale pro- proceedings? They they could drag it out for a good long while, uh, because it this isn't this isn't your typical civil suit. Like people always like you know people like to say it's like Vince just says like oh yeah just deal with my lawyers until whatever. That's good for a civil suit. This is class action. Tort law is completely different. Um, this is this is going to drag out, and this is this is like this is something that Vince really didn't foresee because he never thought he would have to do this when it came to a corporate sale, but it's like one of the things he didn't look into with, you know, when they went public with the stock, because Vince is a businessman, but Vince is a carny at heart and didn't really think this over. Um, it's definitely what basically what it's going to do is, uh, if a sale does get merited, it's going to the, the class action. He's, he's going to have to, he's going to have to find a way to settle the two class actions and say, listen, the stockholders in these are going to get X amount above the stock price when it sells, because that's what happens when a company sells and you're a stockholder. Um, 
you whatever whenever the company sells, that's how much your stock is worth from there on in. Um, Brian last talked about it because he owned stock in Dunkin' Donuts. And when they sold, they said, this is how much the share is and this is how much you're going to get. Basically, Vince is probably going to have to make a settlement via tort lawyer because Jerry McDevitt does not handle tort law. Uh, basically going to have to make the arrangement to be like, okay, well, if it's once the sale goes through, if this suit is still open, then each share that is held by shareholders in these two class actions will get X amount above what the share is going for in order to shut them up. So, and that could evidently cost up to like a billion dollars on the back end of the sale, which they're already talking about the company selling for five, between five and 7 billion. This could very well make them have to drive up the price to 8 billion. And then who's going to want to buy it? It's a great question. It's, it's, it's a snowball effect. Especially if you potentially get more than just two class action lawsuits against you down the road. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to give you a very broad question. Uh-huh. And then provide another angle. You're going to ask me about broads? No. Um, here's the question, and I'll follow it up with the angle I'd like to approach you with uh -huh. regarding it. The question is, is Dave Meltzer the only one who could try sabotaging this sale? Oh, no. Dave, Meltzer's, Dave Meltzer can try. A lot of people can try. Dave Meltzer just seems to be the one with the loudest megaphone right now trying. Here's the other side. Here's the, the other angle I want to provide to that. Yeah. I feel like nobody is thinking about the two dudes who voluntarily left the board of directors. Right, exactly. Because they were investigators that led to the removal of Vince in the first place. Right. The question becomes, what else is in the secret envelope they probably carry around with them? Right. Um, on the other end of it, too, that I don't think is getting a ton of attention yet, but probably deserves some. And we've kind of referenced it here last week because you referenced one of these people specifically. And that's the potential bad blood that could be brewing within the family. Uh huh. Specifically, Vince, Steph, and Linda. Because um, I know you mentioned the whole angle of Linda filing for divorce eventually. But I think none of people are making what I feel should be a bigger deal out of this Stephanie stepping away issue. Right. I think there's a lot more to it than face value. I Very think much. people are just glossing over it and not giving it nearly the attention it deserves. Yep. And there's just, there's something that, doesn't feel right. It never felt right to me in the first place. Right. But the more I think about it and the more I read shit and hear shit about the proceedings going on step by step, the more just there's a mm -hmm. there's this imminent feeling yep. that just ain't right about what's been going on so far. Mm -hmm. Um. Now, on the other end of it, did you hear Nick Khan's interview with Bill Simmons? Yes, I did. Okay. Number one, 
During this interview, Nick openly admits that Vince's return was always going to happen, mm-hmm. in which he, uh, uh, when he was describing that to Bill Simmons, I thought of, you ever see the movie Casino? Yeah. Okay, so you remember the scene where Ace, uh, Robert De Niro's character, asks Andy Stone to, for Nicky to be sent away for a little while to let the yep. ship blow over, uh-huh. and then Nicky confronts Ace in the desert about yeah. going over his head ever You again. get that through your fucking head! You Jew motherfucker, you. Yes, that's Bert and Ernie. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's yes. yes. That was very much what I thought. I was like, yeah, they they really just had him go sit down for six months and get okay. Welcome back, hey. Like, fuck all. Um. The other thing, though, that was not as concerning that Nick said. Um, now again, this could be just him speaking company, the company line for now, but it could be true. He says that Vince has only specifically been brought in to focus on the company sale. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I focus on that is because the initial thought. Now, obviously, if if he if they decide on selling to a certain entity that could provide broadcast exposure and you can negotiate media rights into the sale, then that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But if they sell to somebody that has no business in media production, we're talking two complete negotiations at the end of it then. Right. Where Vince is only going to negotiate a sale with that entity, and then that entity that takes over the company, then they have to negotiate the media rights because right. those deals don't run out till October of next year. Right. So that provides an extra wrinkle potentially because now you're looking at things of okay, do we go the way of selling it in as a combo deal where they also get media rights included into the deal, which would provide you guys like just to throw random names out there, Amazon, Disney, Fox, right. um, NBC universal. Yeah. yeah. Comcast. Thank you. Um, those companies, or do you go the UFC route, which was selling to a company like Endeavor with mm-hmm. UFC sold to, and then let Endeavor take care of shit on the back end, which is where ESPN Plus came into the fold a few years ago. Right. Um, so that I thought was very interesting in that Vince doesn't necessarily have to go the combo route. He can go just the solo route to get his five, six, seven billion, mm-hmm. and then be like, okay, media rights, you're on your own. Fuck off. I'm right. done. Yeah. Um, that I thought was interesting to bring up. Yeah. Um, but those are the main things I caught from Nick Khan thing. I don't know if you caught anything else that was. I loved him low key throwing shade at Tony Khan. <laughs> I, I've never met the kid before. <laughs> no, but do you notice how they at, they keep asking about Tony and he's like, I met Shad Khan. Shad Khan is a he's a the, the story of the American dream. Just kept talking right. up Shad. Yeah. Because Shad Shad's the one who made all the fucking money. Yeah, That's what duh. I'm saying. So, uh, this is what I keep saying because people, oh, Tony Khan, about no, Tony Khan's a fucking little trustafarian fuck. Shad Khan is the one that did everything, and Shad Khan is the one with all the fucking money. Sure, Tony's a good kid, but I've never met him before. I doubt it. <laughs> fucking blew away. Fucking got a marketing degree from some uh, podunk fucking university. He's too busy fucking snorting Adderall and cocaine, going to fucking ECW shows, and he was supposed to be studying for his final. 
You're not wrong. Probably creeping the fucking local high school for 14 year olds. Oh man. Uh, um, did you have anything else to add? It was kind of a when you were thinking about it, it was a, it was a quieter week per se on the WWE corporate end. Um, but I just thought that Nick Khan interview was interesting. Was there anything else you wanted to add in from that interview? Not in that general. I can think. Well, you remember, I still have one more segment. Oh, yeah. No, I meant just about mm-hmm. the WWE corporate stuff. Is there anything you want to add in? I think that was it. I mean, yeah, because the Nick Khan interview, was, it was pretty cut and dry. He, he knew what to say. You know, he he he, he was able to skirt around the, the, the major questions and, uh, you know, but it just you know, made him seem more human than usual. Right. Yeah, he, he he's definitely, I will say this, he's definitely a very well-spoken individual. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Um, like, uh, like the kind of guy you would want representing you, but not standing across from you kind of guy. Exactly. Um, but yeah, um, it was very, I thought it was, it was actually a good job by Bill. I was impressed by it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like he got a little, he got a little marky a little bit with some of the language, like when he was trying to use wrestling language with Nick, although Nick's not the kind of guy you want to use wrestling language with cause he mm-hmm. would give a fuck about wrestling lingo. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, I thought Bill did a halfway decent job with that interview. So good on him. Yeah. Um, general news notes. I really don't have anything aside from buff bag while saying I'm sober and I feel great. So that's, that's nice. Um, where was it? Good for him. Oh, he made a guest appearance on Eric Bischoff's podcast. And that's oh, okay. Okay. Um, also, uh, apparently, so you remember how AEW had randomly booked the booking they set up in Winnipeg in mid-March was set on a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday. Oh, was it? Um, well, apparently, uh, they had, uh, la, 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 la. I don't know why it happened, but for whatever reason, they ended up removing it to the night after to their usual Wednesday slot. Okay. Some kind of network. I don't know. I don't know. Some kind of brought some kind of scheduling issue with TBS. Apparently I don't fucking know, <laughs> but they put out a press release about it and everything. So all the tickets already purchased are obviously going to be honored for the, the different date, but whatever. Fucking stupid. All 200 tickets that have been sold. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Now, Monsieur Alexander, it is time to return behind the black ball for this fine episode 84 of White Heat. <laughs> Mr. Alexander, this special double edition of yes. black ball. Two for uh, one. Double coupon. It's a tufa. It's a double coupon. Buy one, get one, Boko. Um, Mr. Alexander, the floor is yours once you have, uh, you have, uh, wet your beak with your Diet Pepsi. You have the floor. Okay, so, uh, two people who decided to cross the line this week. Uh, one, like, at first I was just like, whatever. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, something this person needs to be called out, especially because they belong nowhere near the wrestling business. Um, so over the, like sometime during the past week, there was a certain person who apparently a joke went over their head between them and Ed Wood. And they then decided to try to troll Wood, which Wood is like that, that that's his, that that's what he does. You, You don't troll Wood, especially like just in general, if you're trying to get booked in Connecticut, 
don't troll a promoter. Not a smart move. And they decided to post screenshots trying to troll Wood, and it, the shit made no sense. And I was also on this person's friend list, and I said, listen, maybe you just, uh, maybe it was just a misunderstanding. Like, because, you know, like, that it just doesn't seem like there's anything here. Uh, and this person consisted, and this this is how you knew this person knew nothing about Wood, because they started calling him a cis Vince incel. Wood is gay. Wood is not an incel. And Wood doesn't watch televised wrestling, as we have proven on the show when he has joined us. Right. So like they're just going off and I'm like, there's nothing here. Like I'm, and I was just trying to be very, you know, very down the middle and just trying to put out a fire. And instead this person decided to talk shit and then block me. So then I said, you know something? I looked because they blocked me on Facebook, but they didn't block me on Twitter and Instagram. So I went and reviewed their stuff and I hadn't realized that this person is portraying themselves as a wrestler, not just a valet, which is the only thing she's done, but as a wrestler. And I went, I've never seen you booked anywhere. So then I go and look through their old Instagram and then everything comes to light. So first person that goes behind the black ball this week is a, is someone by the name of Bryce Campbell who used to go by the name Ashley slashy. It's another name. They may still go by when they're trying to get booked. So this individual started as a hanger on and probably a rat for Earl Cooter, who later became Brian idol. Um, because they were besties with Earl Cooter's brother's girlfriend, Nicoletta Ringwalker. So they were besties. So therefore she got to go when Cooter and fucking and, and his brother, the rock star would do stuff in FTW. Cause that was the, the indie fed that they owned. They would be the, the eye candy. So then I look and I see other photos and I see that, Oh, she valeted a single match in 2021 when most places still weren't running because COVID precautions were still happening. And there I see her standing in the ring with a caption with, this is my original trainer, Jason Knight. And everything starts to make sense. Here's where I got to tell y'all a little backstory. See, most people that claim that Jason Knight is their trainer are nothing but marks who have been suckered out of money and booze. You see, unless you trained at the House of Pain in Waterbury, Connecticut during a time between 2001 and 2003, or if you trained at the Power Station Dojo in 2003, or if you trained at the DPW Proving Grounds Dojo between 2007 and 2008, you were not trained by Jason Knight. And honestly, out of those three occurrences, House of Pain was the only time he was actually active. Like, 
when I when I did my in-ring stuff at the Proving Grounds, I had already been doing ring crew and commentary for years, but that was when it was like, okay, we've got a school. This is when I had to, if I wanted to manage, I had to learn bumping internationals, all that shit in order to manage. Jason was there to run drills once. All of my in-ring stuff was done by Just Incredible and Dylan Cage and Ron Zombie. Jason would hang around and get drunk and get into a fight with the barbecue. And remember I said a few weeks ago how there was another certain someone who like literally on her MySpace, it was Jason's girlfriend just going, learn how to bump and Jason will get you into TNA. This is the same thing. So this so Bryce here um, apparently kisses ass to Jason and give probably buys him cigarettes and booze and gives him rides to places. But Jason has not had an outlet to train anyone since 2008. And that was when we handed the school over to him and he ran it into the ground within five months and we went and opened up another one. So this person not only is disrespectful to, to promoters, but is not trained whatsoever and is portraying that they are. So promoters, I am saying if you are contacted by someone by the name of Bryce Campbell slash Ashley Slashy, do not book them because they are not trained and they are disrespectful. Do not. Fair warning. Giving, giving you, stopping you from having a major fucking headache. And if you're contacted by Jason Knight, you already know not to fucking book him, but know that he's going to have this person hanging on claiming to be his trainee. It's kind of like that shit that in the Teddy Hart documentary with the chick that disappeared. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm training. She never got booked anywhere. So yeah. So that was the first one. So yeah, that bitch. Fuck off. I tried to be nice. I tried to be cordial. Y'all wanted to y'all wanted to fucking burn bridges. You just burn bridges. Nah, yeah. Have fun. Have fun trying to get booked anywhere. So now, our next person, and this is someone that I, I, I've actually, I've, I may have mentioned on here once or twice before, but really didn't get into details about it, but um, I have a long history with this fuck, and the, the straw broke the camel's back, so to say, um, and this is the original person that poached my venue, so if you're ever contacted to work a show by someone named Vinny Visarello Jr., you would be advised not to take that booking. Vinny Visarello is this kid. I mean, let me see here. He's probably like 30-something now, but he's a fucking kid. This kid was one of those people that should have stayed in the fucking stands but decided he wanted to be a promoter. And originally he paired up with another guy who should have stayed behind the barricade, another fan named Barry Moore. And they formed a company called company. They ran one show as all-star wrestling and it was a double shot with wrestle jam. And the day of the show, Barry pulled some shit where he said, Oh, my identity got stolen last night and all my money got, you know, just so happens. It's always the day before the show. My identity got stolen and all the money got, got yanked out of my checking account. So I can't pay any of the boys. 
So Vinny went on to decide to be a promoter without Barry. And Vinny formed extremely talented wrestling. And for his first three, four shows, he hired me and Joe Campbell as the fucking bookers for his shows. He would, he would sign, he would, he would get in people and then say, I don't know what to do with them. And then we would make the matches and we would write out the card for the shows and we would book everything. And those were the shows that I, that, that we did, that were done. A couple were done at the Wallingford boys club. And then more were done at the Bristol boys club, which is the town I live in. Um, and those show, one show was semi, semi, semi successful. I think he drew like 120. Um, but running those shows was like pulling teeth because like we took, like I made flyers for him and he would share it on his personal Facebook. I was like, dude, you have a company Facebook page. You have a, like, dude, you shared this shit. He's like, Oh no, it's, it's, it's okay. I'm like, no, it's not okay. And then like, I would have to force him to go out and flyer fucking locally. Cause I'm like, you're not going to draw people unless people know about this fucking show. And I worked the, I worked two more shows for him in Bristol. He stiffed me on pay both fucking times. The first time it was because he fucking yanked the money. Like, so the wife was there and I had like one guest and he had his mother handled the fucking, the, the fucking pay envelopes and his mother yanked the money for two front row tickets out of my fucking pay envelope for my one comp and my wife. So I got paid nothing. And then the second show, I just didn't even have a fucking envelope. I'm like, I'm the one that booked all this shit for you. I'm the one that fucking advertised. I did all your fucking graphics, dude. Fuck you. I'm out. And so what happens? He goes and runs his next show and doesn't do shit. And that was his last show. That was his last show in Bristol. And that was where me and Wood and all of us came up with our favorite expression because he ran the same day as an ISW show. That was where we came up with the expression for paid B. Because that's how many he had. Four paid B. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. No. Because then this kid goes, then this kid goes and doesn't do anything for a few years until, well, then Dissension Pro Wrestling starts running in Torrington. And this kid runs, uh, runs, he's the assistant manager of the subway in the center of Torrington. So he starts seeing our flyers all over town. Because, you know, that's what you put up flyers. So then after we had run a couple of successful shows, he goes to the fucking, because we had two venues in Torrington. You recall, we had the Knights of Columbus and the Sons of Italy. We ran in both and they are both like within three blocks of each other. When we were running at the Sons of Italy, he goes to the Knights of Columbus and says he's with us and he wants to rent a fucking thing. I get called by these people because I know these people. And they're like, this guy just came down here, said he was with you guys. I'm like, who? And they're like, Vinny's kid. And I'm like, no, he's not. No, don't fucking rent to him. I was like, I'll be back with you guys soon. Don't rent to this fucking kid. So they don't. So then what happens is at the Sons of Italy, this kid's father is on their fucking board. I like, dude, this story goes so fucking deep. This kid's father is pissed that we're successful and his kid never was. 
And this kid's father is a piece of shit. He went and cheated on his fucking wife while his wife was fucking dealing with cancer treatments. Like, he's a piece of shit. He's on the fucking board at the Sons of Italy. Now, if you recall, one of our shows was set to be a fundraiser for the Sons of Italy to help them get their fucking new fucking parking lot paid. So we go... And we, we, and I, and I give him the bit, I give him the whole business plan. Now, originally we were going to try to run that show at the Torrington Armory. It didn't come through. So I said, well, we'll run it here. And this is what we'll do as a, as a compromise. You give us the hall, per, uh, you give us the hall gratis. You guys can have the concessions. Cause that's where I make the money on the concessions. Most of the guys are going to volunteer their time, except for a couple of guys that we need, um, blah, 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 blah. But we will cover the, we will cover the expense of everything so whatever's left will go to you guys that was that was the arrangement and it was very copacetic i was friends with the president at the time there so we go we do that show um we tried having we tried having vendors set up outside we only got like three vendors it seemed like it seemed like it was getting the, the event was getting sabotaged and we didn't know it sure enough come to find out months later it was being sabotaged it was Vinny going around telling people that the show was a scam. So to not buy vendor spaces. And then he was actually going around town and ripping down our flyers. Like he was on the board for this venue. We were trying to help this venue, but because he wanted the presidency spot at that fucking place, he sabotaged this fucking show. So what happens? We do this show. The sons of Italy only walks away with like, they only walked away with like 800 bucks, which is only a few hundred more than if we had just rented the place outright from them. I felt bad. At least they made money. They didn't lose money. And then after that, the president there stepped down because after we found out everything, he was like, I'm done with this place. He was just like, he was like me and my husband have been dealing with bullshit from these people. We try to do everything to raise money for this organization and we've been sabotaged. So we're done. I was like, I respect you. And because you're no longer the president here, and guess who became the president? I said, I will no longer run in this venue. So that's when we went back to the Knights of Columbus. Meanwhile, here comes Vinny Jr. in, and he runs a show at the Sons of Italy. It's an all-women show. And he draws seven paid, B. And he stiffs all the people on work. Uh, uh, stiffs all the people on pay. And the problem in this one is some of the people he stiffed on pay were female students from creative pro wrestling. So Kevin Matthews goes on Facebook and says, this guy's a piece of shit. Nobody work for him. And I said, I've been saying this for years. That was pre COVID. So COVID happens. Everyone's not running. Then people start coming back, and all of a sudden, boom! ETW has rebranded themselves as Tough and Talented Wrestling, TNT, and they're running at the Knights of Columbus in Torrington. Poached my fucking venue before we could come back after COVID. And it gets better, because when they come back, unfortunately, that's when Jim Anderson passes. So literally it's his show. This guy's show is a week after Jim passes. He says that it's going to be a tribute show for Jim. So what happens is he gets everyone to come in 
and not take a payday because it's a tribute show for Jim. And he doesn't draw enough paying people. It's all family and friends in the fucking crowd. You can see it because he's one of those guys that literally after like literally after I left was like, oh, the house was light. I don't have money to pay people because he expects that just by putting a graphic up on Facebook on his personal page that people are going to flock to this fucking show. So he doesn't actually do any advertising. And then the come of the day, he just expects the gate to cover the cost of everything. And it doesn't. So then he says, oh, the house was light. So what happens is the fucking house is light. People go, so, oh, it's a tribute show. So that way no one's got, no one has to get fucking paid. And he only loses the X amount that he put on the fucking hall in the long run. Because here's the other thing is this kid only puts on shows after he's gotten his income tax check every year. Because that's the only time he has the fucking money to do it. So he pulls that bullshit. That whole show was a fucking shit show. That was, I leave that out the fucking door. That whole show was fucking bullshit. It, because that was a show where like literally like he's like, oh, all these people are defending these belts when they didn't exist before. He just gave them to him as they walked in. They're like, oh, you're this champion now. Oh, you're this champion now. Like I he had like this guy, this this new company automatically had a heavyweight champion, a U.S. champion, an intercontinental champion, a women's champion and tag titles. Like, sure. And so it was like 10 matches long and eight of them were fucking title matches. So then. So then. I think he ran one more show after that. Same thing. House was like, blah, blah, blah. So then we get to this past week. Now, apparently in October of last year, this little fuck announced that they were going to run a show at the Knights in March. And that was it. That's all he said. Because, of course, you know, the company, the company Facebook hasn't been updated in forever. The company Instagram hasn't been updated since I was doing the graphics. Like, the dude doesn't know how to advertise on social media whatsoever. Mind you, the last show that he did, he advertised that his tag titles were going to be defended against the Canadian superstars. For those who don't remember, the Canadian superstars are Jay Busta and Dave Cole. Dave Cole has lived in Colorado for the past two years. Dave ain't flying out for a $20 fucking payday for this piece of shit. Dave didn't even know he was fucking booked. We were like, Dave, you know you booked on this shit? Like, we talk. Wrestlers talk. But the thing is, most of the people that this kid books are dropouts from fucking Joseph Von Shit's old school or people that are just like, oh, I want to get booked. And because they don't get booked anywhere, they don't know how to seek out bookings. So he books people that, like, literally nobody fucking knows. Like, lower than, like, it's the indies. Nobody knows anyone on the indies. But these are, like, lower than, and nobody knows them. These are people like J-Rod the janitor. Like, Jason's always been a nice kid, but he's never been, like, the kids worked fucking five matches in the past 15 years. Like, no. So, we get to this show. He advertised it in October, mind you. Show's coming up in March. Decides to put up a post last week. Oh, now this show, all of a sudden, is going to be a dual tribute show. For Jay Briscoe, who never worked for him, and Jim Anderson, again. It's going to be a co-branded tribute show for both because they were both family men. That's his fucking line. The fucker is doing this so he doesn't have to pay anyone that's booked on the show. 
And it's someone who never knew Jay Briscoe and hardly knew Jim Anderson. I don't, I, I don't even think he ever booked Jim. I honestly don't think he ever booked Jim because Jim was smart enough not to work for a piece of shit like that. This kid belongs nowhere near being like, stay on the other side of the fucking barricade because you're fucking like, cause like the whole thing was back during the, the, the all-star wrestling debacle. They forgot to book more than one ref. They only booked Holyoke Joe who you know, everyone knows a piece of shit. So literal, and they only booked one ref for their show. So me and uh, me and Joey Eastman and I think Zach, uh, Zach, uh, Zach, Zach Pierre gave him a crash course in refereeing a match so he could ref the first one or two matches on the show while they were still waiting for Holyoke to show up. We had an extra ref shirt. We were like, you got a pair of black pants and we showed him how to ref. So because he did that after he ran his first fucking ETW show and it failed, he, he went to fucking Von shit school and he, and he asked Von shit if he could be a referee, which the kid's six foot five. Like you don't want a fucking big doofy looking fucking ref that tall. And Von shit went, sure. Give us the rights to the Bristol boys club. And that's when PWA started running at the Bristol boys club. Cause the kid was stupid. He exchanged like, sure. You go ahead, run there and I'll referee for you for free. Cause the kid's a fucking Mark. Like the kid's just a piece of shit. I've had this kid blocked for a long time. So people had to send me this info and I'm like, they're like, they're like, you sure you want to see this? I'm like, what? And they said, I'm like, I'm not surprised. Like nothing surprises me with this kid anymore. He's a fucking low life. His fucking father's a low life. Like it runs in the fucking family. But yeah. So if you get, if you are a wrestler who gets contacted by Vinny Viscerello Jr. Or anyone representing extremely talented wrestling or tough and talented wrestling, just say no. If you're a fan, don't go to these shows because the workers who are on these shows are not getting paid. It's a, it's a given. They're not getting paid. And most of the workers on the show are untrained hacks or people that haven't worked in fucking years and have ring rust so thick. You could fucking a barnacle could fucking live off of it. Like don't like this fucker is nothing but a venue poacher and a fucking hanger on and a fucking leech. Like don't. Like I usually like I, I for you for, for the past year on the show, like I've alluded to fucker that poached my venue, but never mentioned him by name that this, this is uh, this, this is it. I'm sorry. It's done. Like this, th this kid has ripped off too many indie workers and has fucking fleeced too many people and does it in the name of bullshit. And it needs to fucking stop. This kid needs to fucking go away. It got to the point where he announced this thing and we had to tell uh, our good friend, Kate, who Kate was Jim Anderson's best friend. Jim actually passed away in Kate and her husband's condo. So needless to say, Kate and Jim were fucking close. Kate knew nothing about this. And when she found out, she went and put him on blast and went, gee, it's funny. You know, none of his family or friends know about this and you didn't post it on any of his open social media. And are you doing this genuinely for his family? You're doing this just to fucking make money off his name again. Cause Give me a fucking break. Kids a fucking low life. So yeah, Bryce Campbell, Vinny Viscerello Jr. You both fucking behind the black ball. Fuck off. Indeed. Anything else fine, sir, before we wrap things up? That's it. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for checking out episode 84 of White Heat. 
I'm at Brian Katie on Twitter. He's at JJ underscore Alexander. <sighs> JJ, say fuck Bryce and Vinny. Fuck Bryce and Vinny.